Steve, I'll tell you what. Tell me what. This week, right now, mm-hmm. we've got people that are fixing up their homes. Yeah. We've got people that are experiencing bizarre illnesses that some people in the towns are just writing off. It's like, oh, it's just the flu. It's just the flu. It's right, no big deal. Right. Uh-huh. We're all cooped up inside with our families just wanting to fucking probably chop some of them into bits with an axe. Obviously. And above all else, we've got voices in our head telling us all the time that we got to get out. Get out. But that's about enough about 2020. We're here to talk about the Amityville horror, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) He swerved on you. (laughs) You weren't weren't expecting that one now, were you? No. (laughs) Well, that's because you should expect the unexpected when you listen to the newest episode (laughs) of Dad and lovely your favorite horror movie <laughs> podcast here with the host with the most why me it's your good buddy uncle ben and me hollywood steve your unexpected <laughs> pal Ooh, i wasn't expecting you yeah. Ooh, yeah. i should i should have put on my makeup Ooh, you should have you should have i'm embarrassed for you <laughs> i should i should have put on some pants Ooh. no that's fine no, that's all right Pooh bear is acceptable pants. Yeah, Pooh Baron's cool. <laughs> this is going to be very, like, Pooh Bear heavy episode of the show. More than yeah, usual. Yeah, Pooh Baron is, is, uh, is very heavy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's very heavily featured theme yeah. in this flick right here. <laughs> yeah. How you been doing this week, Steve? I have been good, man. I've been kicking it. I've, uh... Yeah? Yeah. I, I didn't get to... Get to go hiking this weekend unfortunately i was gonna go i was ready i was like getting ready and then i remembered it was labor day weekend mm-hmm. and when and you say hiking that's iking for our british listeners yeah iking. i was gonna go iking with herbie <laughs> ancock oh herbie spoiler what <laughs> yeah we had the old labor day experience going on this weekend yeah huh? yeah we did and uh i the yeah Going hiking on Labor Day near a lake just sounded like a, a recipe for destruction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially in Maynardville. Oh, which, Maynardville. Uh, yeah. They don't... I, I I didn't tell this story when I told my hiking story last week, but uh, that, that same hike where I, I uh, met a ghost or whatever, um, when I went to go get the, the trail map... There was a guy and his wife had just pulled up in front of the the little, you know, park building. And uh, they got out and his wife started walking toward the, the restrooms and he just stayed by his truck staring at me. <laughs> and I, I swear I could see in his face, that's one of them Antifers. <laughs> he knew, he could tell. Yeah. You could tell I was an antifer, and he was he was gonna take me out. <laughs> I know what he's gonna do. He's gonna try to blow up that building. <laughs> just grab a trail map and walk on. All right, I I saved the world just now. I know it. He's gonna try to kill <laughs> all the babies. Yeah, so I didn't want to be there on Labor Day, <laughs> but I, I've been having. I've been uh, you know, I, I started a new exercise program where I'm doing a total body workout every other day. Ooh, and it was. so it's grueling it is way harder than i thought it was gonna be but it's given me a lot more energy so now when you say total body workout i mean what kind of Mm -hmm. workouts do they have that focus on like let's say the taint the infamous perineum the the taint of course is uh well you you know how uh jean-claude van damme does that split yeah 
you're going to want to get into that position and okay. then just raise yourself up slightly over and over. Wow. Or just do kegels. Those are technically Tain exercises. I guess so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine what it's like to have a ripped taint where that thing is just <laughs> rock hard? <laughs> <laughs> I can. I bet it's pretty cool. I think I'll Google ripped taint right now to find out. <laughs> I bet it. that's. I bet if you Google ripped taint, you're gonna get something else. <laughs> something that will definitely scar you for life. <laughs> yeah. What if you could get a taint six pack? <laughs> taint pack. <laughs> Just in between, in between your balls and ass, abs. Yeah. It's a solid <laughs> wad of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this man. is perfect for Amityville Horror. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. So you're getting shredded still. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's great. And, um, you know, been watching some stuff, just uh, enjoying myself. Old stuff watching, I, uh, huh? Yeah, I watched a movie the other day that uh, you wanted to get my opinion on maybe two months ago. And I, I had just not watched it yet. I finally watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. I've really been curious to to see what you thought about this movie. I don't yeah. know if I exactly voiced everything that I felt about it when I talked about it, but... Yeah, yeah. You, you kept it to yourself because I hadn't watched it. So I guess we'll talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. You you did tell me that you, you thought it was way slow. I thought it was boring as and boring, fuck, yeah. man. But I mean, I, you're way more into that that Hollywood lifestyle. Yeah, that's what you're I was gonna say. Steve. I see why you thought it was boring, but this is like Hagazusa, where I was way, I'm way into the story. Yeah. So I was expecting a lot, like certain things. I w- there were so many expectations because, like, I I know these stories that are going on. I want to see, like, you know, where this is going, and I did not expect the twist. At the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of the, the Tarantino history bender thing, like what we did yeah. in, in Glorious, right? I loved it so much when when Brad Pitt all hopped up on some acid, just <laughs> killing hippies. It's, it's <laughs> I don't know, man. I loved, I, I get that it is slow. You're right, it's slow. But man, uh, the scene where Sharon Tate like goes in to watch herself in a movie oh it broke my heart Damn. and and margot robbie does such a great job she's just always such a great awesome, job man. she's, she's always so amazing. awesome yeah yeah that broke my heart though because like sharon tate you know like just such a short uh career uh her boyfriend roman polanski was a piece of shit to her real asshole uh, just to see her like sitting there in her little old lady glasses watching herself and giggling like yeah, that was really cute I like that but what a wasted I, I life it, yeah it, I think it I think it, it you know didn't have the same maybe mass appeal that most Tarantino movies do and so for that reason I think it, it I can see why somebody would be bored by it and also just not get into it as much because it has a lot of the you know normal tarantino stuff but it's just not as broadly appealing as as most of his other stuff is yeah and i wonder how much of that that we're feeling is the absence of his longtime editing partner sally minke i think this is his first post minke film yeah maybe some of that for sure uh because it it is a it is a story that a lot of people followed but I think it. I think it's just we're at a point where we're 
maybe most of the people who followed the Manson story are older and a lot of younger people just aren't into it. And yeah, yeah, the lack of a broad appeal and, and it does definitely go slow. I can see why somebody might not like it, especially in relation to all of his other movies, which slow is... I, I don't know if I would apply that to any other Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Jackie Brown is pretty slow, I think. Yeah, Jackie Brown's slow. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, I liked it a lot though. So um, I, I get the criticisms, but I also it really was right up my alley. So I enjoyed it. Well, I know a lot of people that even said that they liked it way more the second time that they watched it because they knew what they were getting into. Knew, they knew what about, to get into. Yeah, yeah, the altered history and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they liked it even more. But it's one of those ones that I'm like. Golly, I'm having a hard time convincing myself that it would be worth it to watch it again, you know? Right, because it is very long. And yeah, if you didn't enjoy it the first time through, why would you? Like, what yeah. would you be looking for? <laughs> yeah, what would be the point? It would. I think it might be one of those things where one day you'll be like, let's do a Tarantino rewatch. Mm-hmm. And maybe when you rewatch it, you'd be like, oh, okay, I do like it more. Yeah, but maybe. Yeah, it's, I can't see you rushing out. If you didn't like it the first time, it is so long, I can't see you rushing out and watching it again. Word. I'm glad you liked it. I kind of thought that you would just due to your, yeah. your interest in the subject matter yeah. and time period. Yeah, it, that that was it. That really was it. Seeing how they were making this show, you know, like I 1960s uh, cowboy shows or something I've seen a lot of because my, my fa- uh, grandfather watched them all the time growing up. Yeah. So, just seeing that behind the scenes kind of bit that was cool too like everything about it kind of was right up my alley right on i get it i figured that you like it more than i did so makes sense yeah yeah but uh uh, i had a good time with that but i've I've been watching some tv um mostly well netflix really i watched a little thing called high score dude on the netflix i've been dying to watch this is it good yeah go watch it fuck yeah. yeah it's great it's great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's. I think it's by the people who did the shows that made us. Oh my god! So it's gonna be freaking. So it's awesome, got a then. lot of that feel. Uh, it's a little le- little less wacky, maybe, because th- there's a lot more wacky feel. I think to that toys that made us, but this is still uh, still fun and light. But it gets really um, gets deep on the history in a way that you maybe like if you don't know gaming history at all. It'll be interesting. But if you do know gaming history, it goes into some stuff that you maybe don't know Mm. about like one of the first console systems that was designed was actually designed by a black man. The like the the first like Atari Asteroids champ uh, is actually transsexual uh, and and, uh, was a big game designer, like became like huge. So there's like all these little stories that maybe you've never heard that sort of show how gaming has always been this multicultural thing it's always been for boys and girls and and you know anyone who's interested it's never had an age requirement or anything of that sort so that's a cool thing about gaming i've always enjoyed is just anybody can game yeah yeah very inclusive yeah you just pick it up it's fun. See, this is perfect timing too because like a couple months ago you got me really into the like summoning salt youtube channel yeah you know? Oh man! So and I've been just watching did that like contra video. oh my god, the contra video is so fucking awesome, dude! It's awesome, yeah. Like I binged all of his stuff, and then also for whatever fucking reason, man, I don't, I really don't know why. Like I've not really watched a lot of stuff this week because most of the nights that I've had where I have like a little bit of time to chill out before bed or whatever, 
I've been on YouTube watching like a ton of shit about like Tekken World Tournaments and like the history of Street Fighter oh, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. That's I've been awesome. going down oh, this like, d- fighting game rabbit hole and I don't know why. Th- that is one of the episodes of High Score is uh, they have a fighting game episode. I really I, I assume they're doing a second season or, and more because like they go into certain genres, but like they they get sort of deep but it's also shallow you're like you know if you're a gamer you're watching and you're like oh talk about this or this or this but it's like i think they're gearing up for more and more stuff dude i gotta watch that show i've been dying to see it and like i said i think it'll really it'll trip my trigger considering my recent just like rabbit hole i've been going down i don't know why like i'm not even like playing any video games like tekken or street fighter or anything right now but Man, I'm just like going way deep, trying to learn as much shit as I can, and I have no idea why. You should. Uh, there's a uh, also a YouTube channel called the Gaming Historian. I've been watching his shit. <laughs> oh yeah, his stuff is awesome. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, PBS. Yeah, very much. Uh huh. In, yeah. in a good way. <laughs> you know, yeah, in a very good way. Not yeah, it's not boring. It's just like so super informative, but also light. Yeah. Um, I also watched The Last Dance. Oh, okay. So I've heard about this, but I mean, it's it's not really up my alley because I'm not a sportsman. Right. right. Yeah. I, and people, you know, I, I should have watched it when everybody was watching it, but I finally got around to it. It's uh, it's great. It's uh, the Last Dance is a, a documentary series that is about the the last great uh, Chicago Bulls team uh with michael jordan scotty pippen dennis rodman when they won their last um championship the second three-peat and it it also goes back through jordan's entire career scotty pippen's career dennis rodman's career it it shows like you know each of the the championship years it shows the stuff about jordan leaving to play baseball and his dad being killed and all that stuff like it is so deep but also like if you grew up in that era even if you don't like baseball i guarantee you'll still be into it because or i said baseball if you don't like basketball i guarantee you'll still be into it because it it was such a part of our culture back then. Oh, dude, like, absolutely! Like the if Bulls you were, a were kid the most in the 90s, dominant team. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean it's like you could not go anywhere and not see uh, a Bulls jersey or jacket. Right. Like, everybody had a friend that had the Michael Jordan wingspan poster. That's like yeah, six and uh-huh. a half feet long or whatever it is, and yeah. just him holding his arms out. Like you know, I I have never played sports in my life. I've never. I don't think I've ever watched an entire basketball game literally ever on tv never watch an nba game (laughs) but michael jordan is one of those presences through our childhoods as you know kids of the 80s where it's like you could have never watched wrestling and you knew hulk hogan you know right yeah we had these icons so prevalent yeah and he yeah it was jordan you know hogan who else did we have who else was bo jackson bo Bo Jackson jackson was one of those guys that was just so dominant that everybody was just enamored like we just got uh, lucky, I think. There was just this period of people that were so dominant at things throughout the 90s that we just got to really enjoy seeing some people do things that would never really be duplicated again. Like, nobody will ever be what Hulk Hogan was Mm-mm. in the 80s. No. Like, uh-huh. it's just impossible. Jordan would have won eight 
championships if he had not gone and played basketball or baseball and if he had stayed after they won their sixth like they would have won again he he could have kept winning championships it was just at will for him like if he wanted a championship he could have it well you win like seven of the things it really it just loses its luster right if it's six <laughs> it's still cool yeah. seven it's like kind of tired that? of this let's move on yeah but yeah, I recommend it. You know, if you don't care about sports at, at all, uh, you know, it might, it might be boring to you, but it it really does go through the period so well. So if you if you grew up in that period or you experienced that period, you're probably going to enjoy it. Right on, man. That sounds pretty, pretty damn enticing, if you ask me. So did you get into any aura business this week, watching anything on the old streaming chat with the dead and lovelies? We got into too much horror business. <laughs> too much Driving horror late at business. Night. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, we watched uh, The Hills Have Eyes 2, the, the original by Wes Craven. Oh, yeah? Boy, it's, um, it's real bad. It's a re- it's a real bad movie. Oh no, I've never seen it. It's really bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you I describe tell it you as set- good or bad, I would say bad. <laughs> if I, if I tell you the setup, it sounds like it could be cool. Okay. Bikers versus uh, uh, cannibal rednecks. Okay, that sounds fucking awesome, man. Yeah, but what if I tell you that they're not the type of bikers you're thinking? They're instead dirt bikers, and they're just like teenagers. That's less cool. That's definitely less cool. <laughs> they were on to something good and then just didn't really follow through, did they? Yeah. And then also, what if I told you, remember how the cannibal family in the first one, like, you know, they were real organized and they'd been doing this a whole long time and yeah. had kind of figured this out. What if I tell you now that after several years, they just like fucked off and have not remembered how to do anything, but they do have some traps set up. Hmm. <laughs> This, this doesn't sound very good. You're not really selling me here. All right. Okay. I will sell you right now. There are probably 20 minutes of flashbacks to the first movie. Oh, wow. Does that... Because the first movie's good. The first movie's pretty so good. 20 minutes of that. I right? mean, That's I could good. just watch the original or 20 minutes of the original. Mm, I wanted that. 20 minutes is pretty cool. Okay. All right. How about this then? What if I tell you one of the flashbacks is the dog having a flashback? yeah no yeah yeah there's a dog from the first one yep beast from the first one is is in it so he has a flashback to his (laughs) relationship with pluto michael berryman yeah (laughs) that's amazing uh that i like it's boy it's it's uh it's cocaine hmm okay they're there's a definite period of Wes Craven's career that is all cocaine based. Mm. There's nothing more to it than the cocaine. <laughs> like, the coke was doing I'm, the talking. Yeah, I'm glad he got past it, but boy, it's rough. Well, based on your description, the question that I've got burning through my mind is who does Sherry Moon Zombie play in it? <laughs> <laughs> she plays Ruby, the little girl from the or the 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 wild yeah. woman from the first one that goes with the guys at the end yeah that's sherry moon zombie <laughs> oh man so that was not good that doesn't sound fantastic no i i don't recommend it no but it was a fun friday night movie so word man well you've been watching ben? i've not really had time to watch much other than over the oh, weekend no. we had ourselves a little marvel movie marathon we concluded 
our quest through the chronological order of the Marvel films that we started. <gasps> I think we started it like early July, if I'm not mistaken. It has been a while, yeah. It's been a while, as stained once poetically waxed to us. <laughs> and we watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. I love all the just playing with the scale and how fun and light that story yeah. is. But then also, too, how, you know, in a lot of ways, the <laughs> smallest scale, get it? <laughs> uh. Story of the whole Marvel Universe turns out to be the thing that connects it all together in Endgame. Yeah. With the whole yeah, like, quantum like realm that. and all that kind of jazz. And yeah. That's that's always like been that. really fascinating to me. Uh, when you just you think about how small do things get. Like, if I got smaller than small, where right. does it go? Like, I, it's always really fascinated me when you're talking about scale and stuff like that. So Yeah, I mean, we're still figuring all that stuff out. And it's not, e- like, it's not even basic science yet. Like, it's not the type of stuff they're teaching in high school about, you know, up forces and down forces and things like that. Like, at the very, very base level, at the smallest, smallest levels, we we don't know no. what happens. Mm-mm. Just got no idea, man, no idea. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And, of course, that led to us watching Endgame, which is fucking awesome. Time heist, man, time heist. It's so fun, yeah. Fun, it's just it's, fun. It's a fun time. You get to revisit some some of the things from the – it really is like a, a little nostalgia run, but also closing up all of the the – different things all tying up all the loose ends so you can start the next phase no doubt and the thing that i'm really wondering too you know with the next phase which who knows when that's even starting i mean i guess films like black widow and stuff have already been pushed back Well, yeah it technically started with far from home which serves as a sort of uh, epilogue to the, everything that just came but also the setup to this next phase so we've seen a little but yeah what are we going to get with black widow you know where where is everything else gonna go i i mean it sucks that we missed a year of marvel movies but i don't think we're gonna lose out i think we're still gonna get the same quality when we get back to them yeah no doubt man and the thing that's kind of got me wondering too is the same way that through that entire first phase it felt like we constantly had tony stark and steve rogers kind of like weaving in and out of everybody else's universe kind of tying it all together they were the big two yeah Who's going to be the real heads of this next one? Like, is it, are we going to be seeing Peter Parker show up in other people's movies? Are we going to be seeing, I, you know, the new Captain America? Like, who do you think is well, going to be the linchpin? Um, I think you're going to see, say, um, because we're, we're supposed to get the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier show and then the WandaVision show. I, I think we'll probably see uh, Wanda and Vision going through a storyline that happened in the comics where she basically creates kids uh, with magic. And, oh. You know, Vision has to convince her they're not real, and it basically breaks her. It's I think that's what they're doing. I mean, just from the previews, it looks like they're doing like a she. They're going through different channels of a TV almost like. Hmm. It's definitely some fantasy sort of stuff. And Captain Winter Soldier, uh, our Falcon and Winter Soldier will probably be the setup for like Sam being captain. So yeah, I think maybe Sam and uh, Peter, because in the comics, Peter becomes kind of the the head of the Avengers. So um, it would be, I would guess, yeah, probably seeing maybe Peter and Sam 
weaving in and out or maybe we'll get more uh what uh, the the new avengers that they're basically seeming to be forming with uh sh- giving us uh florence Pugh as uh, black widow 2 and, and black widow and mm-hmm. uh i i guess you know uh due to the unfortunate death of chadwick boseman they're probably going to be moving ahead with black panther 2 which would be probably shuri like we'll get to see a new avengers form yeah which maybe they just i mean because that's what happened in the comics they form a new avengers with all these you know like i don't know if we're gonna see miss marvel hope so at some point but yeah, they surely form, you know she's yes yeah, great character hopefully bring her in but yeah like uh uh you know there's a, a new iron man there's amadeus cho comes in as hulk like are I'm I'm wondering if they're going to go full new Avengers. Um and if that's the way they go then yeah, it's going to be focused mainly I think on Spider-Man and uh Sam as Cap or Captain Marvel. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say yeah. that I'd say that you're probably right there. We'll see how the cookie crumbles and yeah. uh we also I'm watched to Far see From it. Home which we watched several months ago, but man, that movie is so fucking good. Like Dude, I didn't mind really watching is. it so soon again after having seen it, it for the first really time. It really expands on the Peter Parker character and the Spider-Man character a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really, really it. awesome, man. And uh, uh, like we talked about when I watched it the first time, scarily relevant. Scary relevant. Yeah. Oh, yep. man. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, really good. being able to create illusions, the, the uh, advancement in deepfake technology and stuff like that's real scary. It's going to be bad. There's going to be <laughs> some very yeah. bad years where people use that technology yeah. for bad, 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 yeah. bad things. Because <laughs> remember, guys, our parents can't even figure out shit on Facebook isn't real. No, no, they cannot. Like, it could be overtly obvious it's not real and they can't figure it out. So they're not going to be able to figure out deep fakes. <laughs> no. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really bad, man. So, yeah, pretty crazy. But, dude, it's like now that we're done with the whole MCU run, I'm just like, dude, what are we supposed to watch on Saturday afternoons now? That's kind of been our, like, Saturday or Sunday afternoon thing for a long time. How about this, Ben? Who watches The Watchmen? (gasps) Maybe I do. Maybe I get a hold of that, huh? Yeah, I think you should. Uh, If you're, if you're, you want to keep the comic book theme and you want to watch something relevant and awesome, Watchmen. Is so good. Not, I'm not talking about. If anybody's wondering, I'm not talking about the movie. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no. talking about the HBO show. the The series is so good. I man, like just talking about it right now. I want to rewatch it. It's it's awesome. Fuck well yeah. worth a watch. Awesome, man. Uh, Steve, I've got a little confession to make to you. I got another confession to make. <laughs> Let's hear it. You know, usually we do a communal whistle wedding. On this show, we crack up in a co-beer and stuff and share the love of barley and hops together. But I got to tell you, Steve, I'm already wetting my whistle with something else. What are you wetting your whistle with? Basic. It's something that comes about this time of year when the autumnal notes are just hitting the air. Yes, that's right. You snorting you a line of pumpkin spice? I'm getting myself a tug on a pumpkin spice latte. I <laughs> am. Right. But here's yeah. the thing. I, you know, you got to get it right. 
Because if you go to a Starbucks and you order a pumpkin spice latte, you might be a redneck or you just might be addicted <laughs> to sugar because it's just candy. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what it is. But dude, yeah. over in Knoxville at K Brew, uh-huh. they make a pumpkin spice latte that is fucking unbelievable, dude. It's oh, yeah. not overly sugary. It has actual pumpkin in it and fresh spices and stuff. It is incredible. Like, you know how whenever you have like a really good pumpkin pie, like a homemade good pumpkin pie, and you're like, oh, it's actually not all that sugary. It's just rich and spicy. Yeah. It's got that thing going on and it's good as hell. Now, is it if it's the pure shit, the pure pumpkin spice straight from Colombia. Colombia. Then when you drink it, do you suddenly start referring to protesters as rioters? <laughs> that's right, man. I ain't dealing with it. Okay, that's the real shit then. Yeah. <laughs> that's as wide as it gets. <laughs> it's so good. Only from there though. Like theirs is the only one that I really, really like. Yeah. I, I yeah, I haven't ever had one that I would like. Um but I mean, not that I'm against liking it. I would love to, so maybe I'll try that K brew. You find out about that. Let me know what you think about it. You want to get our oh, yeah. whistles a little more moist, though? Is your whistle yeah. a little you un- moist? Them up. Let's moist <laughs> them up. What do you got to moist? Moist. <laughs> moist. Does that make moist better? Like people who hate the word moist, are they like moist? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I can deal with that now. Yeah. <laughs> What are you going to saturate your palate with here? Yeah, we got some burrs that Lamar uh, got for us. These are specifically from Matt Barnish, the taproom manager at Icarus Brewing in New Jersey. Oh, my God. The infamous. Yeah, he gave us us six different beers to try here, so I gave you three and me three. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am excited here, Ben. What do you got? To try out this Just a Tribute, which is obviously a reference to... uh, Tenacious, Tenacious D. D. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, what are you sipping on? So this is a Hey Hermano, which yeah. describes itself as an imperial Mexican-style lager. I'm very excited about this because I very yeah. much enjoy a Mexican lager. You want to talk about Me just too. like refreshment that'll also get you yeah. a little drunk and make your food taste more gooder? Oh, yeah. Mexican yeah. beers are so fucking good for that. And I've never had an imperial one. This describes itself as being brewed with French Pilsner malt, German Vienna malt. That's not Mexican at all. And domestic <laughs> flaked corn and hopped with noble German hops. This is a hybrid Mexican slash Vienna yeah. lager meant for enjoying outdoors. Fuck, I'm blowing it. I'm inside a house right now. <laughs> uh, actually, ger- German uh, brewing techniques are used in Mexico, aren't they? You don't say. I think, yeah, I believe they are. I think I think that's an old, like, I, I don't remember why that is, but... Well, I remember anyway. reading those things that, like after World War II, you know, uh, the U.S. government and Disney right. hired German former Nazi engineers to come in and build machines and stuff like that. And then the Mexicans are like, we'll take the brewers. <laughs> yeah. You I think guys, that's how it happened. You, you have the Nazis. We'll, we'll take the brewers. How about that? <laughs> we'll take the cerveza, uh, por favor. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, your yours... Uh, uh, your can and stuff is a little wasted on you because you're not an Arrested Development fan. 
But oh, is that, that what is everything under, on here is? Yeah, that is an Arrested Development reference, and everything on there is an Arrested Development. I remember oh. there's a seal on there, right? Yeah, and there's like a yeah. chocolate banana, and there's a uh-huh. yeah. dead dove do not eat. It looks like in a paper bag. <laughs> I really need to watch that show, man. You really do. <laughs> Because whenever Michael finds the dead dove do not eat, he opens it and has a shocked look. And then he says, I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> okay. He says dead dove. I mean, it's what is on the bag. He says dead. That's what it is. Um, what so kind yeah. of beer is All yours? Right. Mine is a, uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, what do we got here? It says here, extremely <laughs> heavy, oated and weeded Northeast style triple IPA. Oh, God. That's going to fuck hard, dude. Hopped with Columbus, Denali, and Simcoe, copiously dry hopped with Styrian Dragon, Lupulin Mosaic, Galaxy, New Zealand, Wakatu, and Lupulin Simcoe. Jesus Christ, this how many hops they put in that thing? Up. That thing's got more hops than a frog pound. <laughs> it's an 11.3 percenter, Ben. I'll see you later, I guess. Yeah, it, it says here, careful. In- <laughs> on the 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 little list that Lamar gave me, it says "careful" next to it. So wow, I'm gonna be careful. That thing's gonna kick uh, like a goddamn mule. It smells a little fruity though, so I'm 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 interested in this. It smells good. I've poured my lager out. It is effervescent, beautifully clear amber color. It really looks like the color of your energy if you're a 311 fan. <laughs> <laughs> awesome and so, this will be good I'm, because I, like all these mexican lagers are always you know like 3.5 maybe four percent i've never had a stronger one like this yeah what what is it 7.1 7.1 and it Damn. is right. good as hell like is it, it yeah it is a rich sweet but still light and very drinkable lager style beer um Appropriately enough, Ooh. I think it has like hints of maybe like a good Martin or Oktoberfest style beer in that it is a little stronger, mm-hmm. a little sweeter, a little deeper. But unlike that year when we did nothing but Oktoberfest beers all October and they were all kind of shit, this one's really good. <laughs> oh, okay. Awesome. Um, Ben, this is a wow here. Yeah. It it's so much. Like, <laughs> it's sweet, but then it's fruity, but then it's like kind of, I'd say almost like grassy or vegetal, like like mm. a green green pepper kind of, but not peppery. Yeah. Um. Every now and, and then you get but, that that peppery thing with a good IPA. That yeah. uh, Highland Brewing AVL IPA oh, yeah. kind of has that green mm. peppery thing on the back too. Yeah. It's really good. It's like. It's like kind of cherry, kind of you know fruit punch because there's like just some some mosaic in there. Mm-hmm. It, that sounds man, interesting. It is. It's really good, and I I get why he said careful because you could slam this like it <laughs> yeah. is so like fruity and t- like I could imagine you just like because like each taste I'm like. What is that? Like trying to figure it out. I can imagine you easily going through a pint and then just being like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucked up. Yeah. That sounds awesome, man. How's the how's the mouth feel? Is it creamy? 
yeah it's, it's got a little creaminess but it's 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 like a clean finish it doesn't feel like anything's left on your tongue afterwards that's nice wow man okay man, so Icarus Brew just... knows what's up yeah for real they fuck up there in new jersey no doubt man well thank you yeah. so much lamar thanks for a lot these matt varnish and thanks yeah, lamar yeah. these are good i really like this yeah, lager man. like i would love to have this with a delicious mexican meal Oh, man, I'd love to have a delicious Mexican meal. I'm going to make one of those when I get off of here. What are you going to make? I'll probably make some tacos. Ooh, taco time, huh? Yeah. What mm-hmm. do you do for like a, like a carb-free wrap scenario? What do you do? Uh, I, just, I just make all this stuff for a taco and then just don't just put it in a bowl. Okay. Well, that works too, I guess. Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, like, you know, all you're missing is, is the tortilla and like, honestly, uh, you don't miss it after a while. Though, I, I imagine if I bit into... Uh, an actual taco i'd be like oh right oh this is so yeah. much better got it oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean you could also go with another keto friendly option and hollow out an entire head of cauliflower and put the taco <laughs> stuff in there that'd be fun right it's vegan taco yeah. salad yeah yeah that sounds disgusting disappointing <laughs> yeah that sounds terrible <laughs> well you know what steve the subject of our show today is of course the Amityville Horror, which is one for the history books. as This is one of those movies that just, it contains so many of horror's greatest tropes. We got families yeah. in crisis. We got mm-hmm. a house full of haints and boogers. Mm-hmm. We got priests. We got the devil. We got the devil. We got all kinds of things, man. This is one of those ones that I'd like to say, you know, could be up for some awards in terms of like, noteworthiness oh. in horror history okay. but steve before we get on to the review i just want to take you on a little trip here to the preview palace get in <laughs> the preview palace <laughs> oh yeah and steve i just want to say this is kind of unusual because you know it's it's like just after labor day here in the states it's not usually award season, <laughs> but it's award season here on Dead and Lovely, and I want to be yeah. handing out some awards to some okay. noteworthy categories that this movie participates in and see if it takes home the gold. So, Steve, as we go through this list right here, I'm going to announce the category that is okay. up for the award here, and I want you to announce to the listeners here who takes home the prize. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. First up here, we've got the award that's going to go out, and this is a near and dear category for Dead and Lovely here. We're going to be announcing the winner for Best Pooh Baron in a Horror Movie. Steve, would you like to announce the winner? Uh, Best Pooh Baron in a Horror Movie, I'm going to guess that's going to go to Annie Brackett of Halloween. That's absolutely right. Nobody does yes. it better. Nobody does Nobody it better. Nobody does it better. <laughs> Everybody all over <laughs> Amityville is trying to yeah. outdo Annie Brackett, but they're not coming close. I mean, this is a pants-free kind of movie right here, but, I mean, Annie Brackett just delivered it with such a a reasonable, delicate sensibility on screen, a real charm. Yeah. Nobody does it better. Nobody. All right, Steve, we're going to move on to our next awards category right here. This is one that Amityville is also up for an award for, but there is some stiff competition, so I'm looking forward to seeing how this one plays out. All right, next award we're going to announce here, Best Dads That Compulsively Chop Wood. (laughs) And the winner goes to... 
<laughs> oh man, this is a tough one, Ben. But I'm gonna guess that it goes to William <laughs> of From the Witch. The Witch. <laughs> I mean, again, that's a performance that's really hard to beat. He is all the time out there giving it his all. Uh-huh. Seems to be about the only thing that he's good at. Frankly, is chopping up all that wood. He is good at, and you know, obviously, the Witch was uh, playing on this, right? They're playing on the Amityville Horror a bit because it, it is it is an interesting thing to see somebody doing something useful but to see it also as like they're actually avoiding mm-hmm. what the actual problem is do you think that if george right. lutz and willem were hanging out and they were chopping wood like george would say to willem <laughs> he's like hey that's a mighty fine chopping you got there buckaroo and willem would be like in his deep subterranean gravel voice be like <laughs> i learned it from watching you what what did we come out here to find i can't do it man his his voice is so deep i sounded more like macho man you did a lot what did we come out here to find brother (laughs) all right very good i'm glad that we see eye to eye on that one too because i mean willem really just chops the fuck out of that wood better than anybody i've ever seen yeah now steve the next one here that we got this is gonna be one that i bet is a neck and neck competition because there's (laughs) a lot of choices out there to choose from i'm excited but next we're gonna be announcing the winner of the best brolin which is (laughs) <laughs> best brolin of course goes to let me open it up here oh wow looks like it's josh oh, a surprise what? upset the father oh, the father no. is disgraced the son has exceeded his powers i bet in in the it had like a split screen it had james and josh up yeah and when we said josh <laughs> James Brolin's hand, head dropped into his hand. Uh huh. And Josh like and looked around, like, and he like he like looked at his at his uh, lady partner, and was like, "Me? Yeah, like, Does what? he mean me? Did you say my name? Is this really what? happening? What? what? Yeah. I, I should go up. I should go up. I, I I'd like to thank my father. He cuts to his father, and he's got tears in his eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and an axe in his hands, and an axe. In his, yeah, he's ready to just take him out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, let me ask you about this one here, because this is one I think we're going to get a lot of feedback on. I think a lot of negative feedback, maybe some positive feedback, Uh because this is a very decisive category, very divisive category, I mean to say, amongst horror movie fans. Are you ready for the next category? All right, I'm prepped, I think. Best random door-to-door vagabond goes to... (laughs) Best random door-to-door vagabond... You know what? Uh, I can I hear the nominees. So for the nominees, once again, we have the door-to-door beer bum in Amityville uh-huh. Horror who makes an appearance That's for right. absolutely no fucking reason. Uh-huh. And then we also have the time-traveling Dust Bowl era hobo vagabond <laughs> man <laughs> looking for work in Friday the Thirteenth. Is it five? And of course. <laughs> Let me open the envelope. Yeah, it's that guy. It's that guy. <laughs> sure, it's that guy. I mean, he came I, all the way from I the Dust Bowl era. I was thinking that might be who you were thinking of, but yeah, <laughs> that's it. Old Dust Bowl Daryl from, like, Step Through a Time Vortex. Yeah, that guy's great. <laughs> Dust Bowl Daryl. Yeah, he's hard to beat. He pulls off the look really well. He seems like he really is just... 
you know, uh, uh, <laughs> an aimless grifter looking yeah. for some honest work in this town. Yeah. He's been riding the rails. He, he hopped off at the wrong place. And, you know, now he's just looking for work so he can get to his buddy's house in Connecticut. <laughs> All right. See, the next category that we got here is one that the fans, they wait to hear the verdict on this one every year because this is near and dear to the horror community. Next category up here. We got to announce the winner for Best Axe Dad. <laughs> Axe Dad. Axe Dad. Now, <laughs> this one's obviously a close one. But, you know, expect the expected sometimes. It's obviously Jack Torrance. It's got to be old Jackie Torrance. I mean, we kind of knew. Uh, we knew it had to be. James yeah. gives it his all. Hey, look. You know, he's, he's uh, the man... He actually acts as somebody, I think, is probably the thing that puts him over the top. Yeah, it's true. He displays yeah. his axe-wielding power. I mean, yeah. old Jimmy James Brolin, he, he does throw that axe at a tree quite mightily. He even That's seems a little true. bit surprised himself about, like, oh, gosh, that worked. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. What did he expect to happen? <laughs> just, just, like, clang. <laughs> <laughs> I expect it to knock the whole tree down. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he looked at his buddy like, oh, um, my dick works. <laughs> yeah, this happens to everybody. My wife told me earlier in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a my dick works face after that a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's looking at people like, my dick works. Like, Yay. we didn't say anything, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been a category. <laughs> is like best erectile <laughs> dysfunction in a horror movie. What was I thinking? Oh, man. Who else would be nominated? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know that there's definitely some, though. Uh, Serbian film. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure there's one in <laughs> Friday have to load the 13th or something. Like, I don't know, horse yeah. tranquilizer or like horse <laughs> fucking pills or whatever it is. I don't, yeah. don't want to watch that. I never want to do that movie on the show. No. 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 <laughs> but there's got to be a good horror, my dick don't work moment somewhere else. In yeah, there. for sure. <laughs> All right, Steve, All right, next, next category here. We got to move on. This is a heavy hitter. This is one that flies under the radar for a lot of people, but we know how important this is in the industry of horror films. So we're all waiting to find out the winner of the next category. The next one we're going to be announcing is best stories that are built upon complete bullshit from the Warrens. <laughs> Amityville's in this. We got a lot of stiff competition. We got, got Annabelle. We got, we got, we got all the Conjuring. We got uh -huh. the Conjuring too. Annabelle. That's right. Boy. All spun from the Warrens' massive amounts mm -hmm. of bullshit that they put out <laughs> right. through their entire careers. Lots of options here, Steve. Boy. Who's the Lots winner? Lots of options. Yeah, there's kind of a lot. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's a tough one to choose, Ben. I know. We're going to have to I, pop that envelope open and just see what our judges just say. Let's see what it is. Oh my gosh. The Conjuring 2? The Conjuring what? 2. Wow. Surprise upset victory from that one. Underdog, huh? Yeah, turns out they fit um, two uh, major bullshit stories into it. So that that really <laughs> put it over the top. They got Amityville in there, and then they got that England story they're showing. Wow. Plus, they, sh they got the... The, the weird nun in there as well. Oh, wow. That's that right. That movie's got a lot of bullshit is my point. Yeah, a whole lot of bullshit. Turns out it's all about quantity, not necessarily quality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Steve. Now, we've got a very important one right here. This is one that's really solely based on the performance of some of our leading men. This is slightly stepping outside of the horror category. But in this category, this is kind of an abstract one. But the idea here is we've got to announce the winner for who did it better. Was it Tommy Wiseau being torn apart or was it James Brolin coming apart? Which is better? You're tearing me apart, Lisa! <laughs> Versus, uh, I'm coming apart! <laughs> I mean, let's look, let's compare the two. Uh, okay. They both seem to have good relationships with their dogs. Mm-hmm, that's or true. Dogs in general. Mm-hmm, yeah. Hi, doggy. Uh, I <laughs> oh, mean, that's hi, a Mark. good relationship, right? I think so. Um, They also, you know, they have interactions with vendors. Now, one of them is pleasant. You're my favorite customer. Mm-hmm. The other, of course, uh, is vomiting, and you'll take a check. So mm, mm. I, I'm going to give Tommy the, the edge on that one. I think Seems he's got like a little he's... personality, a little friendliness yeah. there. Let's see if it yeah. pays off when we open the envelope. Now, sex scenes, uh, Tommy, he comes correct. <laughs> His dick works. Where, whereas James Brolin, I'm sorry, man, but your dick don't work. <laughs> His it's... dick don't work. It's uh, that's uh, it's gonna be a problem. So, I'm gonna give the edge here to Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau is the winner. He is being oh. torn apart, and he is winning <laughs> awards for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Yep. We got one more category, one more, and this is one that does okay. indeed have a lot of possibilities and a lot of competition. <laughs> We're gonna announce the winner for best imaginary horror friend. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Boy, there are a lot. There's a plenty. I mean, I'm talking, you know, you yeah. got to think about the competition here. Captain Howdy? Mhm. Yep, we got Captain Howdy. We Tony? got uh we got Tony, we got Jody in this. Mhm. That's what else right. We got I mean, uh, there there are a couple more out there, but I think we just named the major 3. Uh and I feel like Captain Howdy's a pretty empty character. We don't really He's kind of an absentee friend, much. really. Right, you know? And you know I I know that Tony is really cool and all, and you know, he lives in his mouth. He's a little he, like, boy that lives him. in a mouth. Come on. But I mean in the the book, Jody is a flying pig with glowing eyes, which I think it's really cool. So, looks. Let's just open up the envelope. Looks like Amityville won this one. Oh my God! It's what? taking one home. What? Where to go, Amityville? <laughs> I mean, a boy that lives in a mouth versus a flying pig with glowing eyes. Yeah, it's a tough choice. Is the it's it's a tough one. That sounds like it's, some stuff I've seen while I've been tripping balls. Oh, buddy, Variety's really gonna rip us apart for this one. That's They're gonna true. call this a snub. Yeah, yeah. They'll be like, oh, it's all <laughs> political. It's all political it on that show. You know how these <laughs> awards are. Nothing but politics. Huh? Yeah, it, we were really trying to impress the New Jersey yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, people. The first <laughs> round of the Dead and Lovelies. The Lovelies, as they're known in the papers. The Lovelies, yep. And uh, Amityville impressively taking home a couple for the for the team right there. Well, probably way just one. Go, Maybe just won one of them. Yeah, but you know, way to go though. Way hey. to go! I mean, for they the were first nominated ever? in yeah. every category. So 
That's pretty yeah, big. Yeah, that's true, because on the box, it'll say nominated for eight or nine or whatever lovelies. Yeah. Winner and of one. people will be like, what? Yeah. That's amazing. That's pretty good odds right there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. congrats to you guys. And now on to the movie review portion. <laughs> now, Steve, this movie, I had yep. to rent it on Skinamax. And yeah, and I had a hard time finding it because it's hard to find the correct spelling for Amnottyville. And Mm. it's a compound word. I was impressed by the the nudity in the film. I thought there was some Mm -hmm. really great uh, sex scenes in the movie. Right, right. I was not expecting to see Jody in here. That was a little bit of a twist. Yeah, glow-eyed pig, weird. The pig seemed into it, so I'll allow it. Well, did it seem into it just because his eyes glow? I mean, that that's a problem Jody runs into a lot. That's true. You know, he'll just be listening to somebody, and they're like, wow, he seems really into it. And he's like, it's just because my eyes glow, you know? Just because of my glowing eyes. I was born this way. <laughs> my glowing eyes are up here. <laughs> now, Steve, this wasn't your first time watching M. Naughty no, Bill Horror, no, is no, it? No, no, no. No, I watched it uh, the appropriate way, which is... Uh, you know, a, a sleepover as as a kid, like that's how you were supposed to see Amityville Horror. Okay, and that's why it has the reputation it had. I once again did it wrong and watched this movie for the first time in I think my late twenties, in my well, roaring twenties. I think that then gives you probably an appropriate um, understanding of what Amityville Horror really is as a movie, which is uh, serviceable. Yeah, I think it's so. Fine. I think so. It's it's a classic for certain reasons, but it's I mean, if it came out last year, it would have made money, but we wouldn't be talking about it this year. I think so. This is one of those movies that you know, I can watch it now and see how influenced it was by other films that came before it. Uh oh, I can yeah. also see how yeah. it influenced other movies that came yes. after it. Yeah, I mean it's definitely, uh, I mean, if you, if you just look at the timeline of, of everything coming together with Amityville, The Exorcist came out before the DeFeo shooting. Okay. And then the DeFeo shooting happened. The Lutzes moved in, uh, you know, a, a year later. And then the next year... Uh, what's it called? To the Omen came out. Oh yeah, uh huh. So the the Catholic Church bit, the devil bit, that was all super popular, and I mean, we're not going to waste time talking about the supposed true facts of this case. Yeah, because everybody knows it's real and it happened. We don't even need to talk about. That's right, right. Because we know it's not real. Uh, <laughs> oh, they, that. <laughs> they, sat, they sat down with uh, William Weber, who was the defense attorney for the DeFeo, uh, uh, Ronnie DeFeo. Uh, they sat down with him and drank a bunch of wine and came up with all these stories, and it's all recorded. Well, that's a little bit damning, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, there's no reason to talk about any true events but it's what you don't true. know is that was all actually a conspiracy set up by the big beer lobbyists to try to smear oh. wine 
wine makes people lie about the devil. That was their whole campaign, and you bought into it. You know what I noticed? Remember when they... there's one scene where they're like in a bar or something. They're sitting in front of a whole bunch of beer, like Lowenbrow and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I guess at this time, that was probably the best beer you could get. That's true. Yeah. So they're really trying to sell us on craft beer over wine. Uh-huh. That's right. You're That's damn right. it. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. you bought it so, hook, line, and sinker. So You sons of bitches. Look at the craft beer market now. I know. You just swallowed it. Take a sip of that delicious beer and just, drink up, sucker. Let me just get a drink of this beer here. See if it tastes so mm. sweet. See if it tastes like ah, damn, buying into so lies. Is it worth it? Oh, it tastes like a delicious lie. I'll try mine out and just double check to see if it yeah. was really worth it. If if. It was, you know, worth all the trouble in the smear campaign against wine. See if it's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely better. It's definitely you better. You know what? I feel like Joey Pants in The Matrix eating that uh, Chateaubriand steak. <laughs> I know this isn't real, blah, blah, blah. But when I it, bite into it, I yeah. taste The Matrix and yeah. it's great. <laughs> and it tastes like success or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah, love that this, this movie has that like old school seventies movie trope of just like walking into a bar and being like, "We'll have two beer." Yeah, and they're just like, "Yeah, here's the one. <laughs> here's the beer, beer for you. Yeah, here's yeah. the beer that we have. What beer do you want? Yeah. The one that you have. <laughs> yeah, choke it down. Back before the days of preference. <laughs> Don't worry, it's real cold, so you won't taste much. So you won't taste how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- this, um, all right. So this this is based off of the Amityville Horror by Jay Anson, which uh, is a novel. It's not. It's not a true story. It's a novel. Uh, they they came up with these stories. Jay Anson wrote this up. The basically they bought the the house the month after Ronnie DeFeo was convicted of second degree murder and the murders happened in real life this guy really did fucking yeah ronnie defeo really did yeah okay so like the true story of that which is worth talking about is that ronnie defeo uh uh drugged his family and then shot them all in their beds that that's, that's it. not pleasant he didn't uh come up with the devil defense his attorney did and uh it didn't really stick uh, there, you know, after that, he lied a whole bunch about other conspiracy theories, and uh, also somebody developed that there was an incestuous relationship between him and his 18 year old sister, Ooh. which just came out of nowhere. Like, people just none of this is substantiated. People just because the Amityville horror made so much money, people wanted to make money off of it, so they came up with new stuff. That That's from one of the many Amityville books out there because you. They couldn't trademark the Amityville bit because mm. it's a city people live in. Well, here's the so, thing, though, is like I've got to think that there's more to this DeFeo storyline. And I think that there's probably maybe even a, a cursed bloodline that goes back generations probably. and generations. Because here's the thing yeah. that you got to know. DeFeo uh-huh. in uh-huh. native Spanish, that would translate to of ugly or of from ugly. ugly. Yeah. Feo is ugly. Uh-huh. 
imagine if like your fucking last name your family name was like oh the ugly people (laughs) he probably had the uglies a hard time in life his whole family tree has probably had a rough lot in life being the uglies the people from ugly town they're of ugly (laughs) jesus yeah that's pretty rough (laughs) so (laughs) so the lutzes bought the house and and had then this conversation with the defense attorney and they came up with all these stories uh you know they not all of them are uh terribly outlandish but they've all been proven to be just normal things Mm. like the window that just like shuts on its own they they actually discovered while walking through it that there was an air like because of something with the counterweights and the floor there was a part of the floor that kind of dipped down, but if you stepped on it, it made the the window shoot up. Oh, and I if see. If you stepped off of it, it would fall back down. Huh? Kind of like how so, in all these old creepy haunted houses, there's all these knocks and groans and rattles yeah. and stuff, and it's like, oh, it's because yeah, it's, it's wood. an old fucking house. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's wood and it creaks and it groans and that's that's normal. And it wasn't built to the same code as houses today, so houses today don't have the same situation yeah i mean what are you gonna tell me next though like the fact that he started experiencing this will this weird like flu like illness and stuff and wasn't (laughs) feeling good i mean that couldn't have been due to lead paint and asbestos and black mold under the floorboards or anything like that right no way no and it couldn't have had anything to do with the fact that it's late 70s and everybody was on cocaine uh (laughs) and their diet was terrible yeah they're just eating a hamburger all the time (laughs) i mean he was in his 30s in the 70s i don't even know how you made it past your 30s (laughs) like it's insane what do you think the catering was at that wedding because i bet it was like (laughs) they were popping open tins of vegetables i guarantee it was Swedish meatballs, little smokies, like just a casserole shit for like sure. The, a casserole of some sort. Dude, oh, they God. make reference to several like really horrible foods in this movie, and the whole time I was just thinking, like, man, God, it was just not a good time to eat back then. They're like talking no. about eating tuna casserole for a month, and she's tuna like, "Don't you want one of those char broiled hot dogs I made?" Ugh. People just lived on tuna casserole and hot dogs, I guess. Well, I th- actually some. Of- some of that I think goes into um what Stephen King says about the movie is that uh, it's it's about economic anxiety. Oh, okay. That, uh, they're talking about money throughout. They're talking about scraping by, they're talking about not being able to afford stuff and that's actually pretty novel for movies of the time to show a struggling family like a genuinely struggling family no doubt yeah well because like, that's the thing actually is like, having trouble at yeah. the end of the day i mean as somebody who has has been broke and bought a house uh many mm-hmm. years ago for one it is the most stressful thing ever yeah. especially if you and your Scary. partner are both 1099 workers like myself and my wife uh-huh. were at that time holy shit man i mean the bank wants like proof that they will own your soul for eternity at that point it's really really not fun but buying a house is definitely teamed with stress and anxiety and it's just like all this fear of like i'm committing myself to pay on this thing for 30 years or whatever Uh but what if i what if i bought a lemon what if this place isn't any good and then also too you see like that kind of financial stress could 
tear a family apart and really stress oh, your easily. relationships. I mean, there's so many times Absolutely. through the process of us buying a house that I'm sure my wife was ready to fucking murder me with an axe in the middle of the night, too, because I would it's imagine, so yeah. stressful that it can tear apart relationships and destroy families and stuff. So you could definitely look into this and see that economic kind of angle. Yeah, that that could explain so much of what's going on. I mean, but it also obviously is giving us paranormal stuff. Yeah. So this this is, you know, let's, I think it's best, uh, you know, this was best experienced in 1978 believing it was a true story. Then best experienced in the mid 80s watching it late night as a kid mm -hmm. now best experience to just dump all the based on true story shit drop that completely and just believe this is a family and these things are happening to them yeah just watch because, it as a movie that's fine yeah yeah uh but it, it also then has the struggle of it really needs you to believe it's a true story because it's not much of a narrative. It's more of a and then script. That's exactly it, right? Yeah, just a bunch of like, you know, it's almost like if a child was telling you a story. And then, and the, then, and then a pig and then. floated up and told me, and <laughs> I, and uh, the babysitter got locked in the. And then, and then um my my dad was he was chopping he's really mad he was and he was mad <laughs> and then yeah you're right yeah, like it, you have to watch this now knowing that it is bullshit and you can just watch this as a movie and that's fine like it doesn't have to be based on true mm -hmm. events or whatever to be interesting but at that point it's yeah. kind of like you said the the narrative doesn't really carry you all that well this is one that i no. remembered actually being a lot better like whenever i watched it the first yep. time i really 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 liked it and then when you watch it again to you know record a award deserving podcast about it uh -huh. you watch it a lot more critically and shit and you know kate and i were sitting there watching this and there were several times and we were both just like is this how much more is left in this like this isn't really Right. moving forward with any kind of great momentum. No. It's just kind of a bunch of strung together, no. like, and then this kind of spooky thing happened. That's weird, right? Huh? Yeah. And it leaves open so many options and possibilities for what's causing it, but never gives us any closure on it. No. That's something I was going to ask you about that I kind of forgot about with this thing. Is like, okay, these people buy this house that the, the previous mm -hmm. owner you know, uh, well, not the previous owner, but the, the previous tenant, like, killed a bunch of people. And so it's like, oh, my God, it's a murder house. They do more research, and they're like, actually, a witch used to live here. Whoa. And then mm -hmm. they're like, eh, eh, but before that, there was uh, Native Americans that put crazy people here. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's like, it's, so what is the ghost exactly? And then there's also that jade dragon. Okay, what the fuck is up like, with that Jade Dragon? It gets so much screen time. He does. He gets a lot of screen time. And I really wish they had thrown in a musical sting every time they showed him because it was like, like, why are we seeing this? Like, I got no what is idea. This supposed, like, just at least indicate to us that we're supposed to be, like, suspicious of it or something. It's just like, cuts to it whenever the money's lost. Like, huh? 
right? It's probably this Jade Dragon that did it. What? Mm-hmm. Why? Why would that be? Up to this point, we're supposed to think it's a demon. Oh, you know what it is? I just got to thinking about it. The same way I said in the intro of this episode, how there's so much stuff in this movie. Sounds like 2020 and that coronavirus. They was trying to warn us at Jade Dragon, a demon's going to come from the Far East, from China, come in here, kill us all, invade our American homes, make us all sick. And he'll be, and we'll be saved by a rich man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't figure uh, that out, though. They show that fucking dragon yeah, thing a million times, and there's that one time in there where, like, uh, Jimmy James Brolin, like, trips... And then yeah. later on, Margot Kidder's like... He's got, like, a bite yeah, mark bite on his leg. marks on your yeah. legs or whatever, and it's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, I, I that that was very strange for sure. I, I mean, I think... Okay, so movies like The Exorcist, The Omen, and this are the reasons why parents were throwing away metal albums and and books and things like this because i was thinking about that yeah this is like the, the predecessor idea, to the satanic yeah panic. yeah the idea of something from the far east being in your home inviting the devil in yeah we talked about that on the gremlins episode a bunch yeah yeah it's it's very much a thing here in this late 80s early or late 70s early 80s uh and it, it does have to do with the rise in automotive production from the east the rise in uh japan as a, a economic uh ally slash rival yeah and consumer like, electronics and toys and things like this too. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean like uh, a lot of the the uh issue in the late 70s economically uh some of it had to do with layoffs coming from car manufacturers because cars from japan and and other places were uh becoming more popular because gas prices were rising so again a lot of the economic anxiety is wrapped up in that mm, yeah yeah so there, there's there's something going on but it's obviously like kind of mm, muddled muddled yeah it's like real muddled like what are we saying this is like, yeah because what is, is the it ghost? a demon yeah what what is it like it if it's a demon, why can it go into a church? That's the thing. And it's like, like what is the scope stuff? of this thing's power? And why why does it want the priest to get out? If it's so powerful, it can go to where the priest hangs out. Why is it worried about the priest being where it is? Yeah, or why didn't it like push him down the stairs or some shit whenever he was right. in the house? Yeah, it seems to be having more fun torturing the priest which means like the priest i mean and the movie does seem to indicate the priest never really has a chance against it because the ending for the priest is just well he lost i'm blind yep (laughs) (laughs) turns into fucking anchorman too yeah (laughs) i love that moment there dude in the in the movie after he gets you know blinded by that that falling sculpture bit or whatever like the other priest comes up to him and he's like what is it father and the priest guy immediately does the thing that every blind person does in movies and like feels his face. He's like, he starts touching his face. He's like, I'm blind now. <laughs> it's like, I, I better start with the face touching. Can't see. Who yeah. are you? I can't oh, tell. Mm, mm, Let me touch your face. Some. Is, who's that there? What's going on? That always yeah, happens. He immediately resorts to that. Yeah. I mean, like you can't tell you're blind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Hold on a second. Everything's black, but maybe the lights went out. Maybe if I feel something. Oh, I can feel? Fuck, that must mean I'm blind. <laughs> the moral of the story is, like, this priest's life just sucks. He seemed to be kind of, like, yeah. doing his thing, leading that priestly kind of life. He goes mm -hmm. over here to bless this place. Uh, uninvited. I really don't like how he just walks into these people's house or whatever. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that is strange. And uh, he just kind of gets plagued past that. The other people in his parish seem to be like, you're you're from that secular fucking school of thought. You need to get the fuck out of here. Take a take a day off, fucking priest yeah. guy. The, he he accuses him, the, the one priest, uh, what's his name? Fuck, fa Father, uh, okay, Father Frank is the, the main guy who gets blinded. Uh, Father Ryan. Mm -hmm. who's uh the 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 mayor from jaws um <laughs> yeah yeah father ryan <laughs> accuses him of being a modernist now ben when you think of modernism do you remember when that period was in art hmm <laughs> not it's recent the late late 19th early 20th century yeah He's accusing him of being a modernist. Like you're only a like, hundred years behind the curb. You need to be further behind. <laughs> yeah, we need to be five hundred years at least. Yeah, that scene though, by the way, was very much uh, obviously trying to be the boardroom scene from Network. Okay, which is Network. I've mentioned a million times yeah, on yeah. this show. I'll mention a million more times until everybody in the world has seen it. It's one of the most important, most relevant movies from the 70s. You need to see it. it it's even more relevant these days mm. than it was in the 70s, I'm Damn. telling you. But uh, uh, so it, it seems that Rod Steiger is thinking like, oh, this is going to be my like network like this. I'm going to deliver this. And then they're going to be like awards for Rod Steiger. Uh, and also what he's saying is like, is that, is that the fashion these days to cover up? It's like, ooh, take that, Nixon. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> fucking turning the knife, right? <laughs> fucking Nixon. You there, got him. It, there are just so many little things in here that I see are just nods to everything that's going on at the time. So it's like, it's really a product of its time and really fit in its time. And that's, I mean, that's why it, it has the reputation it has because, you know, even though the exorcist existed and the omen existed, this brought us into a, a, a full nuclear family. Like, I, I, I mean, we have to remember in the 70s, in the Omen, he's adopted. So in the 70s, an adopted kid by many people would be considered not your kid. Uh, <laughs> you look at The Exorcist, it's a mom raising the daughter alone. How so unnatural. Again, people, right. So again, people can detach themselves from it. This is the first time that this is a normal, uh, quote unquote, family that people can be like aha i can project myself onto them Ooh, i've heard sounds in my house spooky probably the devil i'm gonna throw away all of my kids metal posters <laughs> the point a to point b there isn't exactly clear to me it, but okay yeah but it happened <laughs> so, oh yeah oh yeah but, i mean this is this is the type of thing too is like a, a word like for i don't know what it is no matter 
how many hucksters and grifters we go through there are always a large amount of people that when someone says words out of their mouth those people go must be true Gotta why be. would a person lie <laughs> it's like like well i can think of a lot of reasons why the lutzes would lie uh i can tell you that everyone who's lived in the house since has never experienced anything well okay all right yeah so there yeah. you go <laughs> though uh i i think uh what's her name uh lorraine warren will probably claim that that's because she fixed it yeah she solved the problem that house is clean yeah. <laughs> right the house is clean now because because of her but it's because there was never anything there but also people who moved in after said that, uh, you know, some of the, the thing where it's like the doors get blown off the hinges and stuff. Yeah. Like people have said the people who moved in after said, no, they didn't have any new locks or hinges or anything. It was all the same stuff. All none original. Minty. Yeah. Yeah. None <laughs> of that happened. So, But, you know, Steve, we got all these side characters in this movie that are there to lend credibility and eyewitness reports right? to this. I'm talking about people from the Catholic Church and the cops, the people we can all trust the most. The most trustworthy people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that was the feel. Like, think about that. That was the feeling in 78. Like, they thought, like, oh, the more cops and the more uh, priests. Like, <laughs> priests and nuns we put in, the m more credence people will give to it. Yeah. Because you can trust those people. Uh huh. There and was now in 2020, you look at it them. and you're like, Hmm. So the only other people who saw this were priests and cops eh, and religious sure. swindlers like the Warrens. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe any of that. <laughs> How about that? And people trying to get a guy off for a murder case. Yeah, I yeah, I just defense lawyers. <laughs> like, yeah, wow, lots of credible lawyer. witnesses here. Yeah. Well, yeah, the d defense lawyer obviously I think was trying to bolster his like demon thing obviously like I, I there's just so much that just like bullshit attached to it that i think though you know if you're looking at it jay anson apparently uh said like that he he really wasn't interested in conveying any sort of truth he was telling a ghost story yeah and all he was interested in was moving to an island somewhere and having a truck full of cashmere sweaters. What? <laughs> that is yeah. oddly specific. Oddly specific and very strange. Why move to an island and then also you need sweaters? I shall name it. What island? Sweater Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's all mine. This, but what I'm saying is this guy, he, he tapped into the exact right vein in 1977 he knew exactly what to do he was like these are the most trustworthy people i don't care if they weren't trustworthy in the past and it won't be trustworthy in the future right now people trust them i'm gonna say a whole bunch of these people saw this stuff happen mm, yeah yeah and then also say children saw this children never lie which of course then we had the satanic panic like that that again shows like how our mindset in the 70s was like oh well children don't lie mm -hmm. then we had the satanic panic and a lot of children lied yeah totally and it's like oh children can be extremely creative and the truth to them is very elastic so it's easy for them to be told something happened and maybe even elaborate on it without it ever having happened yeah yep yep Surely nothing yeah. bad could happen as a result of that, though, as we know. Right, yeah. People wouldn't go to jail falsely or be on trial or mm -mm. still be considered by some to be guilty of what they were said to be. 
uh, or it wouldn't even ever uh, turn into a huge, gigantic conspiracy theory that involves uh, Hollywood pedophiles uh, eating babies and using adrenochrome from dead uh, sex trafficked kids. Nah, no way. It, it wouldn't never turn happen. into that. And and there definitely wouldn't be any possibility that the president of the United States would uh, give it credence and consistently, like, retweet some of that. Yeah, no way. There's absolutely no way. No way that th- this movie and its bullshit created that, right? No. Because, I mean, as we know, Adrenochrome is just some bullshit that drug-addled Hunter S. Thompson made up. Yeah, it's not a real fucking thing. So, <laughs> like, what? So I'm pretty sure that couldn't happen, right? Right? Pretty sure. <laughs> well, dude, whatever God. this ghost is doing, I want to know more about his motivations because he wants people in, he wants priests out, and he wants to make some fucking money because this ghost didn't have no job. This ghost was broke. <laughs> He was like, oh, man, that's a big envelope full of money. Let's get his attention off and we'll steal it. Yeah. This and ghost then do what like, with it? Hey, I know you people are all worried about spending $80,000 to buy a three-story house with a guest house, Jesus. boathouse on the river in the 70s. But, <sighs> you know, I'm broke as a joke. I ain't got a dollar to my <laughs> name. I'm a ghost. What What do you think his uh, 1978 wedding catering cost? 40 bucks? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know? Yeah. And they were like, oh, gosh, that's like uh, half of my paycheck or something. <laughs> I don't know. What do we make now? <laughs> what do you think that ghost spent them bucks on, dude? Uh, maybe he bought the Jade Dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't have it before. He ordered oh. it from a catalog. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I was a ghost, I'd go and buy some porno mags. Oh, yeah. Maybe get a subscription to Boob Magazine. <laughs> boob Magazine, yep. I'd go yeah. pick up all the back issues <laughs> of Boob Magazine. I'd hold up the pictures of the singular boobs to a mirror so I could see a full set. The magazine makes you do a little bit of work, but it's always yeah, worth it. Yeah, makes you do a little bit. I mean, you know, it's possible that, that that ghost or devil or whatever it is He's a doctor certified titty holic. It could be. That could be. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen Call back those. to the last two episodes. Oh! Boom. <laughs> but yeah, oh, like, I guess I just faculty can't... was a little while ago. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's close enough. It's close enough. Yeah, I just can't really figure out exactly what this ghost motivation is because it seems to be like maximum destruction or minor inconvenience. And it got me thinking, uh-huh. dude, if like if I was a ghost. And I right. wanted to just minorly inconvenience people and just sort of be <laughs> a bit of a raw at the end of the day. <laughs> I think I'd do stuff like I would hide the fingernail clippers, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think probably that already happens because I can never find the little bastards. Where's those things going? I got to cut these nails that grow so darn fast, Steve. Why do they do that? I don't know. Who needs them? I definitely hide um, things like bottle openers and um, like you know, like wine uh, cork. What's the fucking? Yeah. What are those things fucking called? Wine <laughs> corkscrew. Corkscrews. That exactly. Yeah. Duh. It's like I said. I mean, <laughs> was there an echo in yeah, here? I, Shit. Yeah, huh. that's the type of thing that uh, I don't know what it is. After a couple bottles of wine, it's like, where's that corkscrew? Mm-hmm. It must be a ghost. Satan There's is real. No other conceivable reason why after a couple bottles of wine you couldn't find a corkscrew 
Mm, can't find it. Oh, oh, Satan is real. He is here now. He is with us. <laughs> Satan is real. Ah, he, he is I'm here. just going to start saying that anytime I can't find something. Oh, Satan is real. <laughs> he is here. Because <laughs> he also does stuff like disrupt phone calls. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a ghost power? Man, I don't even know. Some of that might be Jade Dragon powers. Oh. Like, we don't know what Jade Dragon powers are. We know that... It can create bite marks on you. <laughs> what if, like, at the very end of the movie, after the Lutzes, like, drive off and stuff, and it gives us the, you know, they moved on to other places, blah, blah, blah. It, like, cuts to the interior of the house, and it cuts to the Jade Dragon, and he's like, Finally, I'm alone! Some peace and quiet <laughs> for me! And then he whips out Boob Magazine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just starts jerking it. <laughs> and it's over. <laughs> jerking his dragon dick <laughs> jerking his dragon dick yeah <laughs> or what this would have also been fun if as they were driving away you just see the jade dragon statue rise up in the back of the station wagon <laughs> like wait what because <laughs> the thing is is like the only visual manifestation of the ghost that we ever get is a fucking purple pig that's right. It's, it's I mean, we ghost. just see the eyes, right? Just like, that's it. Oh, we don't get You know what, really. though? What? I think that this is a carnivore guilt movie. Because all they ever talk about <laughs> eating, like I Probably. said, is hot dogs and tuna casserole. Yep. They're yep. haunted by the ghosts of the very things that they eat. <laughs> that's why I kept looking out of that boathouse. There's a fish ghost in there, Steve. Oh, damn. Tuna fish ghost. <laughs> Do you think, wait, do you think that the ghost of a tree is haunting him and that's why he keeps chopping it smaller and smaller? Like, <laughs> the kill this tree I get ghost. it. The tinier it is, it has to go away. What if we found out that things like heart disease and fucking clogged arteries and stuff, you're actually just full of cow ghosts? Oh, no. <laughs> I got all these pig ghosts haunting my body. <laughs> I need to exercise it with a triple bypass. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like if you look this up, there's a YouTube, uh, like diet personality who's out there telling people that the ghosts of whatever you eat remain in your body. Oh yeah. Make you happy or sad or something. I think it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Isn't that what that goop stuff is about? Yeah. I think that is goop. I think you just <laughs> described goop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and of course this ghost this haint this booger is uh tormenting our family here and again kind of similar to to poltergeist when you do the numbers on poltergeist and you realize like oh they had a kid out of out of wedlock yeah. this is a couple that just recently got married but she's already put three kids out into the world this is a little bit of a ooh controversial family makeup for these times yeah. of christendom what and do they talk about because like in reality he's their stepdad but it, do they talk about that in the movie because like yeah I know a little with bit the, yeah i know with the um realtor he doesn't like he he lets her think they had them out of wedlock just mm -hmm. to like I yeah guess, yeah it's like oh we already got three or whatever it's like oh yeah. you're a new family maybe it's yeah. for kids he's like we already got three of those little fuckers yeah and then uh yeah Margot Kidder or uh, whatever her name is she's like George you're bad like he he's fucking with the the realtor the realtor and, who's and clearly also, like, a Tim and Eric character by the way yeah played by Eric Wareheim obviously <laughs> it's it's without question. 
Without question. That's a Tim and Eric character for sure. Yeah. But there's like a part later on in the movie where the kids are kind of like, I think they call him George or whatever. And he's like, that's better than Mr. Lutz Uh stuff. They were calling me. And there's one point where he says some shit about like, your kids need some discipline. Yes, he does. And that, uh, that scene was, boy, uh, growing up with a single mom who had boyfriends, I've heard that yeah, (laughs) and been yelled at by my mom for that. And I'll tell you this. If you're if you're the the parent in that situation and your uh, uh, boyfriend girlfriend is is saying this, that's the time to uh, defend your child, not turn to your child and be like, "What the fuck? What's wrong with you?" I don't know, <laughs> like, Steve. Sounded like it would have been a perfect time for you to straighten up your act. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. It never did work though. I have an unstraight act. <laughs> should have. I have a some respect for your stepdad. That's true. I should have mowed the damn lawn. Uh-huh. You're right. You're right. <laughs> he was right. He was right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we've got some names in here. We got a Jimmy James Brolin, who I think at this yeah. point had just done a lot of like commercials and things like that. Like he hadn't really. Well, no, he he also done some yet. stuff. Okay, he wasn't like a huge name. I I wouldn't say, but he he was a big enough name that uh, you know. He was taking a pay cut to do this, so he actually got a percentage of the gross of this movie. Wow. Which ended up equaling out to he made about seventeen point seven million dollars. Fuck, dude. For he's this. he's ready to yeah. retire to an island of cashmere sweaters. <laughs> for real. Uh-huh. Um and Margot Margot Kidder had just done Superman. Yeah. She so, transitioned from being Lois Lane to child wife in this movie. Right. The way they dress her is so weird. It's strange. It's really yeah. odd. Like in the opening scene like, where I'm, they're they're walking through the house, she's wearing a totally adult outfit, and then the rest of the movie it's like, I'm wearing schoolgirl clothes and I have pigtails and ribbons in my hair and what the now, fuck's going on? I if if she was wearing all of that because she was like George thinks it's sexy or whatever, it's like, okay, cool. But she was actually like going to the grocery store and stuff and doing it. So it's like, <laughs> oh, this is just how she dresses. I guess. Okay. Okay. That's all right. That's weird. But I all right. I don't know about it. I'm not really sure yeah. why that would be a thing. I, I just because I love Margot Kidder and, you know, we've talked about her a little bit uh, on Black Christmas and, and other times, I think. But uh, Margot Kidder is amazing. She's awesome. She kicks uh, ass. She's so great. She, so. I didn't know this. I was just reading up on her for this. Uh, a little bit after this, you know, she she had become pretty big because she was Lois Lane and Superman, and then in this, which was also big, really big, yeah. Uh, at the time, four million dollar budget, eighty six point four million in the box office. That's that's pretty huge. Uh, she after this was in a, a comedy with Richard Pryor, and she dated. Richard Pryor briefly, which I didn't know about. I didn't know she that. was also romantically linked to Pierre Trudeau, the father of Justin Trudeau. Oh no shit. Prime Minister of Canada. So she she was like big, like huge, right in that that moment because there were still like Superman two and Superman three to come. Like she she was huge in this moment. In yeah. this movie coming right after superman i think really helped that it really pushed it because not only was she lois lane in superman but now she's also in this huge horror movie like you know people want to see her in more stuff 
which is also cool too to me to see that you know she you know she was in black christmas and stuff like you said she got this huge role doing superman and then she's like you know what horror again that was fun i like that a lot of people like use horror as their springboard for their careers and then never go back to it jennifer aniston i'm talking to you i know you're listening right now <laughs> she does she listens all the time mm-hmm. uh, she she you know she texts me and she'll be like Hey, it's me, Rachel. The haircut, you know. Hey, you know, whatever. Well, Maybe I'll, you remember Leprechaun? I'll tell you this. They were on a break. I stand with Ross. They were on a break. We were on a break. I don't mm-hmm. know friends, yeah. but I know that. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Probably because you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I that's it, talk about probably. it a lot, probably. <laughs> and my, my Ross impression is just Seinfeld. Yeah, pretty we're much. We're on a break. What's the deal with breaks? <laughs> The cast in this is good. Like I think they're a yeah, pretty they're believable great. family. I think that there's yeah. some good acting. There's some yeah. all caps Not great acting. acting. Mm-hmm. There's some all caps acting from Rod Steiger for sure. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Like I think what the people don't know is that he had his contract worded that he gets paid by the outburst. <laughs> so he, he was like, oh, I'm going to outburst, motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, I think I should play this scene bigger louder yeah <laughs> they're like i, I don't feel know as though should. i should be angry here <laughs> i should All be right, yelling uh, right and i should yell the lines right i guess okay i feel like there's a like an old school 1950s disney movie here that's called the yelliest priest you know <laughs> i so rod steiger uh huge uh, most of these people huge imdbs just you know they were in tons and tons of stuff Rod Steiger, though, specifically played General Decker in Mars Attacks. Oh. I don't know if you remember, but it, it, I I just really appreciate that. I love Mars Attacks. Dude, that's a silly-ass movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very silly, very awesome movie. Uh, Don Stroud, who plays Father Bolin, his long-haired uh, sort of younger companion oh you're talking about that uh, guy that winds up dressed as like a fucking monk for like one scene later in the movie yeah why is he he's wearing like the robe with the hood and the rope around the waist like what kind of fucking catholicism do they have in this world i don't know how catholicism works i don't know how they do that all the time might be a thing man i mean that nun's out there playing b-ball in her habit yeah i know man like she's shooting some hoops dude i guess she got over the puking (laughs) (laughs) yeah her extremely violent puke dude i i want that fucking sound of her like power ralphing as like my text message alert (laughs) like i want to be standing in line at the grocery store and you text me and everybody around here is <laughs> she is pressure washer puking that thing, man. I want to edit that together to uh her her puking and then looking up and I need her to say fuck it ball is life and then cut to her fucking <laughs> balling out with the kids. Fuck it. <laughs> ball is life, man. I got to hit the court. <laughs> Ain't nothing stopping this nun from hitting her b-ball nope. dreams. Air nun. <laughs> Sister Act 3. Puke ball. <laughs> Puke ball. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is that's absolutely something that's floating around on Pornhub right now, and I do not oh, want to sure. see it. So much of this is just like, those stories are just coincidental or just normal everyday stories that 
people have that you're lumping in with all this other stuff that it's just like, eh, you know, somebody losing an envelope. It was just right here. Yeah, well, that that's what everybody says when they lose, lose something. something like, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's how that goes. You've, you've lost it. It's no longer where you thought it was. Yes. <laughs> he is here. Satan is real. <laughs> I think that's just going to be my go-to now. Like, every time I, I, like, can't find my fucking keys or my headphones yeah. or whatever. There you go. He is here. He is here. <laughs> that's got to be it, man. Of course, yeah. we've also got Cigar Cop, pivotal character to this movie. Yeah, he is real pivotal in being in the, the first bit uh showing up menacingly for a bit and then showing up so that the one priest can say and eh, another priest is all fucked up yeah how and does that it. help this story out at all i don't know you could cut that character entirely and not a thing would be lost go back to colombo dickwad <laughs> For real, he's totally biting Columbo's style. <laughs> but I really wish he had gone, eh, one more thing. <laughs> Is that the thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's the line. Eh, one more thing. What's up with that Jade Dragon? And that, like, oh shit, we all know. Just now. chomping on that stogie on the job, Just man. Just chomping on Just it. Just chomping yeah. on that thing, man. I don't. What is that all about? I mean, I don't get that. I don't. I don't get cigars in the first place but i I don't get why you would want to just chew on one yeah well i mean ask will smith he just bites it that's how he do he don't light it it's for the look Mm -hmm. just for the look Mm -hmm. i can still get mouth cancer kids don't worry but i'm not gonna get lung cancer yeah but i do want it for the look the look being i have a big turd hanging out of my mouth yeah (laughs) i want people to know i like to stick long phallic things in my mouth and suck on them obviously yes (laughs) you know what steve speaking of pornhub we got a lot of pooh bear variations male and female throughout this movie i am telling you what i don't think i've ever seen so much no pants no problem being displayed in any single horror movie could we get a pooh bear in every horror movie you think like it wouldn't make them worse. It wouldn't make them worse. I, I mean, and I'm not, let's not even be sexist about this. If Leatherface was Pooh Bear in it, it would improve it. I think so. It would be like, why be is like, he wearing wait, someone's what? skin that on his so face? Weird. He went through the trouble <laughs> to put on this flesh mask, but he didn't feel the need to put on pants. This guy is off his rocker. <laughs> It'd make his character seem more insane. If you're writing a horror movie right now, consider throwing a Pooh Bear scene in, please. Consider no pants. I mean, it sometimes can really make the scene. Consider no pants. No pants. That's what you got. (laughs) Margot even throws us a rare, a rarely seen open blouse Pooh Bear. That's a combination right there. Yeah. That's a Pooh Bear combo. Open blouse Pooh Bear with a single leg warmer that I don't know why Ooh. was like, all right. What's yeah. going on there? What is she preparing <laughs> to do other than make sweet, know. sweet missionary love? <laughs> she she was like stretching too. She was like, this is going to get freaky. And then it was like, sweet, sweet missionary. <laughs> She's like, we might even leave a light on. This is going to get crazy. Oh, damn. <laughs> this man of mine, he be a freak. I did kind of expect in that one scene though, like wherever they're they're trying to do it, like I guess his dick doesn't work and stuff. 
she's like kind of has this determined look on her face and she's like turn the light uh-huh. off and he's like oh, what? Yeah. He's, uh-huh. she's like turn the light off yeah and it goes to yeah. dark i expected to just kind of hear like a ooh, and then he goes yeah. move over there to the big finger baby <laughs> <laughs> I got something that'll work every time. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I I did think that she was gonna give him a blowjob or something. I thought that's what that was gonna be, right? But it really was just like, no, just turn off the lights or going to sleep. Well, Fuck okay. this. <laughs> all right. Well, they got Jeez. their freaky bedroom that's all covered in mirrors and shit. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the 70s. You got to have mirrors everywhere. What, what if you're on the ceiling and you need to snort coke? <laughs> I was about to say, you do need to be able to snort coke off of literally every yeah. surface because yeah. it's just everywhere. It's just floating through the air. Um, yep. There's a little known fact that you could actually take uh, just a stray piece of scotch tape and just waft <laughs> it through the air back then and just collect <laughs> several fat rails. Come back with a gram. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, I, I I imagine that it's. I mean, the carpet, like everything about it, just so 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 seventies. Yeah, uh, yeah, very just very so much. much flannel. Oh man, there's one point where he's wearing a flannel shirt. He picks up the little girl who's wearing a flannel <laughs> shirt, and she like disappears it's like into camouflage. Him. I'm like, that's yeah. just part of his beard and his shirt now. This he's yep. assimilated this kid like he's part of the flannel Borg. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what the, the Canadian dude. That's what the Canadian Borg is. It just assimilates yeah. you into its beard and flannel shirt. <laughs> You're a boot to be assimilated, okay? <laughs> Resistance is maple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is just seventies as fuck, man. Like, there's a lot of these movies that are old, like you know, haunted house movies, like The Changeling and The Shining and stuff like that, where those those homes feel like such a character uh, in the films themselves because of the way that they're decorated and the architecture. They seem to have this frozen in time, timelessness to them and stuff. This just feels like your fucking Meemaw's house. Like it's just a gross old house that was renovated in the seventies and it has Mm -hmm. stupid green wallpaper that has Uh. forest scenes and nasty carpet and all Ugh. kinds of other shit in there, and people smoking it all the time. Oh, gosh. Yeah, like, just thinking about how much people smoked back then and how yellow wallpaper would get, <laughs> like, <laughs> yellowed from cigarette smoke, and then, like, you know, wallpaper was such a fucking pain to take down that, like, Awful. sometimes people's wallpaper would be, like, just shit. Like, oh, yeah. just completely, like fucked but they're not gonna take it down because it's such a pain in the ass <laughs> uh, and the nicotine has further glued it to the wall <laughs> yeah it's somehow like extra like as you start to pull it the wall comes with it <laughs> <laughs> i can't think of many places i would rather not be than sitting in some 70s house with nasty yellowing wallpaper inhaling yeah. cigarette smoke eating ground uh, beef and canned vegetables <laughs> Oh God! I cannot think you of said much ground else. beef and cr- canned vegetables, and the canned vegetables that popped to my mind were veg all. Oh, where it was fuck like all. just like carrots and peas, just in a syrup of some sort. Dude, let me mm-hmm. ask you this: because you grew up poor in the South with yeah. country people, just like I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. One of my dad's things that he would request every now and then. Oh, no. (laughs) That is just burned into my memory is one of the most despicable 
culinary crimes that I've ever witnessed. Is, <laughs> <laughs> and I know that this is a thing because I've heard other people talk about it. Uh, it's something that in the South they call hobo dinner. I've okay. heard this also called hobo surprise or something like that. And it is not a sex move. Okay. But it is like <laughs> almost like a uh, almost like a parfait of sorts that you bake in a tin can that's like uh-huh. ground beef plus onions plus carrots plus I don't know beans or something just like a bunch of shitty uh-huh. vegetables and ground beef that you bake in a can. Were you ever exposed to this hobo dinner? I was not. I was not. It's that, miserable. That sounds miserable, but it also sounds like it's actually because uh, I grew up poor, but I also grew up with a single mom. That's more work than she would be able to put in. The presentation <laughs> of putting it back into the can? Come on. I barely have time to get it out of the yeah, can. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, too. You can't have a 70s movie. Without having some microfiche. And of course, we're treated <laughs> to this scene like 10 minutes from the end of the movie where Margot Kidder finds in a shocking revelation the thing that we've already heard like five times already through the course of the movie that her husband looked like the guy that killed all them people. What? Shocking. What? Everybody's already said it, but now we see also that it is true. Wow. Uh... That so should have what? come 10 minutes in. Or, well, not 10 minutes in. That should have come about 25 minutes into the movie. Yeah. That she saw that. And then, like, maybe a, it, it develops over time that maybe she starts to see his face kind of warp and look exactly like Ronnie DeFeo. But no, it's just this, like, we've been told it several times and then we see the evidence of it at the end of the movie. Like, who cares? Who cares, <laughs> like, dude? Why, why is this happening? That's one of like several things in this movie that I really feel like could have just been cut out entirely, dude. Yeah, like this all didn't the, have to be two hours. No, like all of the stuff with the the wedding and all that, you could just uh, nuke all that. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Cut the Jade Dragon, uh, which you know, if you're gonna cut the wedding, you just cut the Jade Dragon because yeah. it's in that scene and then the leg biting scene. So just cut that entirely. Uh-huh. Cut the drunk guy who shows up. Like, what was that for? What the fuck? What is that for? Like, he never even comes back. Was he a ghost with Miller High Life? Or was he just a drunk guy who was like, I'm going to go see my neighbors. He came over and think thinking she he would run into the husband. He ran into the wife and he was like, oh, maybe she wants beer. It was obvious she didn't. So he was like, All right, I'll just go while she's on the phone. I'll tell you what it is, though. It's that one of the other people in the neighborhood said, hey, I think one of them fellers from the Bee Gees moved in next door. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I got a yeah. way we can go over here and just find out. They went over there. Yeah. Just some, some little old lady Pooh Bear that answered the door. Didn't look like no Bee Gees to me. <laughs> Didn't look like no Bee Gees. Yeah, and then he just went back and let them know. Like, nope, not a Bee Gees. Not a Bee Gees. Uh, you want a co-beer? Yeah. Got a Miller High Life. It's champagne of beers. I, uh, I wonder if any of them came up with the correct theory of looks like a grizzly bear killed a lumberjack, shaved part of its face, and pretended to be a man. <laughs> That's Jimmy James Brolin, of course. That's Jimmy James Brolin. Like, the fact that he and Ronnie DeFeo look alike is nothing. Like, because he looks like my dad in the 80s, which is a guy with uh, longish hair and a, a beard. Yeah. They all look the same. Like, 
Big if deal. you have that beard and that hair, everybody looks the same. Yeah. So yeah, they look alike. So what? So what? And I don't understand how that was like relevant as if the ghost was choosing him because he looked yeah. like the guy that murdered the people. What? Yeah, the ghost was like, oh man, I love people who look similar. I love this fucking with these guys, these burly beard guys. <laughs> I love fucking with these guys. <laughs> and what? that's why he hasn't fucked with anybody else, because nobody else has moved in with a beard and shaggy hair. I guess. <laughs> if somebody did, the ghost would be like, fucking shit. God damn it. I'm going to get this guy. God might as well have a goddamn bullseye on his back. <laughs> We keep saying ghost. Uh, what is it? It's not. It's not a. It's a demon. It's a ghost. It's a booger. Haint? What is it? What is it? Is it a haint? We never get any closure on any of that. No. Like none. it really just ends with them being like, "Well, I'm getting out of here," which is the most logical ending. But it's not an ending we come to expect from horror movies. Well, here's the thing, though. Is like, okay. In movies where you have a family under ghost duress, it's like you have the mm. sh the Shining ending where dad flips his shit and he dies because he's going to fucking right. kill his family. You have mm -hmm. Poltergeist where you have this well-knit family unit. They escape as mm -hmm. a family unit. This movie was kind of like, what if we sort of split the difference? Where, <laughs> And this is one of the things about the movie that I do have like a legit complaint about. Okay, like dad runs up there with an axe... To murder his kids. He goes right. up and chops the door down to murder his kids with an axe. His wife catches him doing this. Then he just kind of snaps out of it, and they never make any mention of it ever again. It's like, oh, yeah. daddy was just having one of his spells again. Also, yeah, he fucking I hit mean, her in the face earlier in the movie. Saw no consequence yeah. for that either. One could easily see how uh, this is a story about... George being abusive to her and the kids and them coming up with a fantastical solution to forgive him. Okay, I see. That's like, no, it wasn't dad. It was the demons. Just typical yeah, it was a demon. abusive relationship kind of shit, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can see that. I can see that as a possibility. And again, like, if he was strung out on cocaine, as I would imagine, would be the explanation for him looking like shit all the time and people constantly saying it and them having financial troubles despite the fact that he seems to own a pretty successful business. Okay, and that's true. And they just bought a house for really cheap. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, the only explanation to me is he's spending a huge amount of money on something we're not seeing. Now, this is something like, I don't know about. Does a lot of blow make your dick not work? Yeah, it can make it work, like, uh, super effective, but... <laughs> Dick work real like, good. <laughs> yeah, it can make it It can make it work real good, but uh, a large amount. Yeah, it will make your dick not work. Well, there so, you go. Yes. Myth yeah. busted. <laughs> yeah. It was just I mean, if you, if, if, if you told me George Lutz uh, revealed on his deathbed, hey, actually, guess what? I was just on a lot of coke and being very abusive at that time, and uh, I told my family there were demons or whatever, and my family bought into it, uh, and I stopped doing coke, and then we we made money off of the story I made up. Okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I get it. it I imagine the, it was like the '70s. Him on his deathbed, and like he's hooked up to the life uh, life support machine and stuff. He's got the heart monitor on, and he's like, "I have a confession." <laughs> it wouldn't go so it was all the yayo 
<laughs> and then he's out. <laughs> it was that sweet yayo. He he just yeah, like because he's so aggressive all the time. He and is stuff aggro like, as fuck, dude. And I'll tell you yeah. what, man. You want to talk about the guy in the movie that has balls of fucking stainless steel? It's that yeah. Jeff guy that comes over to like oh, bug yeah. him about the checks, and like his boss is just manically chopping at wood with an axe, ignoring that yeah. he's even there. And he's like, hey, I got to get paid, though. <laughs> like, yeah. That guy's bold. Uh, yeah, he is bold. And also, his wife. <laughs> like, if you know anything about uh, 70s, 80s, um, you know, astrology was was kind of popular. And oh, yeah. there were a lot of there were a lot of people out there who got the vibe man oh yeah so like you know it, it wouldn't be a weird story for say instant for instance if your your aunt was telling you about oh one time we went to a concert but christy said we shouldn't go with this one guy and then we heard that he killed somebody <gasps> uh and everybody had that friend that it's like if, if christy says you shouldn't go in that house something's up uh, and it really was just that she smoked a lot of weed, so she was paranoid a lot of the time. Yeah. Again, yeah. drugs are probably at the root of this. Yeah, like you, like people forget how prevalent use of stimulants and marijuana were in the seventies and eighties. Like perception altering materials. Yeah, it was very, very, very common. Um, you know, it's it's just. You know, we, we're always going to look at things through rose-colored glasses. Kids that grew up in the 70s and 80s, if they're truthful with themselves, can look back and remember, my mom and dad would go in the room with their friends for an hour sometimes and, like, just disappear. I mean, luckily for me, growing up, my parents and, and aunt and uncle just did it in the open. It was like, ah, yes, they <laughs> smoke weed. I know that to be a truth. Yeah. But, like, there were so many kids that grew up with parents who would just disappear for a little bit or whatever. You know, one would go to the bathroom and come back and be really chatty with the kids while the other would go back with the bathroom. Like, that was pretty common. Uh, so you have to consider that these people who, you know, were looking for a quick payday maybe had drug problems. <laughs> <laughs> who knows you who know knows? what when you put it that way it does kind of add up doesn't it yeah yeah <laughs> you know let's talk a little bit about the style of this movie because there are a lot of parts in this that just feel like a very straightforward 70s horror movie and then there's stuff like especially towards the beginning of the film where some of the editing choices and stuff are a little bit more i don't know experimental a little bit more abstract and i feel like some of them are really cool, and some of them are really not cool. Really not cool, yeah. I think the specifically very not cool is when they're being shown the house by the realtor, and it flashes back to the murders. But it flashes back to the edited-together version from the movie. So okay, it doesn't flash yeah. back to frames from the murders, and we have a different sound going on. It flashes back to frames from the murders, and whatever music was playing at that point or whatever sound was happening is, is suddenly there. And you're speaking so of the, the footage that we've just seen maybe five yeah, minutes earlier five in the very prior. movie. Five minutes prior. So why are we even being reminded of it as it exactly happened? Like, I get flashing back to it, but maybe 
keep the sounds of them walking in the house and talking while you show that flash. See, that's the thing is like whenever we were watching it, I was thinking like, man, that's pretty cool. Like I love how they they yeah. open the door to a certain room and you yeah. just get this like out of nowhere flash of like that this is grisly cool. child yeah. murder or whatever happening right there. Like I like that, but then you pointed out that it's just like, yeah, that's just footage you literally saw like five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit yeah, lame not, when you see it that way. Yeah, it's not even like a new perspective or anything on it. Like, it it's cool that they, I think you're right. Like, it is a cool thing that just kind of like as they're walking through, we're being reminded of what happened in here. But yeah, it's it's just like not a well executed, <laughs> I don't think. I... I <laughs> I at the root of this is how fast everything moved because like this was this was like the book was released in seventy seven like uh when was it uh shoot, September so September of seventy seven the book is released July of seventy nine the film is released mm-hmm. that's so fast. the the book had to have enough time to come become a bestseller for it to then be uh bought to become a movie for it to then go through pre-production then production they sh- they shot for seven weeks and then edited and got it out by july 27th of 1979 so and the, originally their idea was it was going to be a made for tv movie Ooh, thank god they didn't do that <laughs> yeah so the the screenplay is written by a guy who all of his other credits are made for tv movies which oh, okay. you can kind of see then if you were expecting commercial breaks, why you have so many reminders of things that just happened. Yeah, I guess and why so. maybe it's okay to have so many like disconnected narrative points because it's going to be broken up with commercials. That makes sense. But they didn't adjust the script to then just be on the screen <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just the script that they were going to do for made for television but for the big screen it i mean it gets covered up a lot by how good james brolin and margot kidder are yeah they're great like, without them this movie would yeah. really not hold yeah, up honestly. it just wouldn't work yeah there's some of those yeah, other it, weird edits in there too like let's say like during the wedding scene that didn't even really need to happen like as they're leaving the wedding there's that close-up of that, like, spinning paper decoration thing yeah, for no reason. Yeah, and then, I like, don't know why. Other ones, like, after the dude loses the money for the caterer, it zooms uh-huh. in, like, on the couch? Yeah. What? I don't know. I mean, and the, this director is a good director. Like, he directed uh, Cool Hand Luke, which is... Oh, no shit. Uh, a movie, yeah, I absolutely love. I've loved it since since childhood. No one can eat 50 eggs. Uh, <laughs> he also directed the the Pope of Greenwich Village. The, the dude directed a ton. And I'm I'm wondering how much how much of the problem is with the editing and not with his directing. Yeah. Because a lot of that the a lot of that is just like pickup shots and stuff, which was probably done by a second team while they were shooting the main stuff. It's like you didn't really have to put that in. Mm-mm, no, seems like that was somebody yeah. else's idea to cram shots yeah. like that into the movie, you know? Yeah, to maybe I don't yeah maybe to give it more of a sense of action, but it it I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it does work because again, this movie succeeded financially and is like some people 
I've heard people say it's the scariest movie they've ever seen, etc. Almost every single time they saw it as a kid, and that's why they think that. But that's yeah. fine. It, it if it maintains that space in your head, then it's it's still effective. If it works, it so, works. Yeah. So this movie works. It's just like looking at it critically. It's like I don't know if it would work now. I'm pretty positive it wouldn't work now. Yeah, I think so. Although there are yeah. some good, like, scary bumps in here. There's some memorable, yeah, there's stuff spooky scenes, works. you know? I uh-huh. mean, of course, we got yeah. stuff like the whenever the priest walks in and all the flies and stuff suddenly oh, coming yeah. out of nowhere. That's kind of cool. That's okay. Conjure yeah. up a little Beelzebub, right? Yeah, for sure. A little bit of, of flies. blood leaking out of them walls. That's not a feature you want That's in a cool. home, I don't think. It's like the house is alive. Ooh, yeah, and full of gushy, gushy corn syrup blood. They also got some old black ink in them toilets. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. There's a squid was... in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is that? They said it stunk, it, like it smelled. So, but like, what? Well, it, it looked like just uh, like that charcoal stuff that you can add to water to purify it. Oh, like yeah. In, uh, Activated charcoal. If you're camping. Yeah. Yeah. So it just looked like that. Uh, but yeah, what would it be like? Demon, demon goo. I think it's just one of them mischievous kids hiding their pet squid in a commode again. Probably. He can live in the tank, Mama. I can see him every time I go potty. He's my pet squid. <laughs> Everybody had a pet squid as a kid. Everybody did. Everybody had a pet squid. That's my favorite Randy Newman song. Yeah. Man, I put out a tweet a week or two ago that underperformed like fucking crazy. And oh, I think no. I think it's one of my absolute finest works and it just didn't get enough attention. All yeah, that Twitter. it said was mm. Dr. John is basically just like unwashed Randy Newman. Yeah. He mm-hmm. is. I think okay. that's hilarious. Yeah. That makes sense. If you think about Randy Newman that hasn't had a bath in a while, that's what Dr. Dr. John, John sounds like. Well, it sounded like R.I.P. See so you yeah. at the crossroads, Dr. John. <laughs> so you won't be lonely yeah uh yeah <laughs> we've also got some stuff in here we got a hell pit full of ink that a courageous dog dude this dog is a yeah. badass because like not only that does dog he is save a badass not only does he save dad after he falls in at first he's like fuck you demon i'm gonna bite the fuck at your arm like the dog is mad yeah. at him first like go back to hell demon i don't believe he's in like, you. you know what i'm gonna pull you out of that hell mouth because you're my bro he's like, oh wait your dad I'll get you. I got mm-hmm. this. I got this. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. It's a good dog. And the dog doesn't die. The dog does is, not die. That is a positive. Uh, according to the real George Lutz, supposedly, their dog hung itself within the first hour of moving into that house. Ooh. Now, I know what you're thinking of a dog with a note uh, standing on a stool near a tree, just kicking the stool out from underneath yep, itself. Yep. It's a grim but sight. no, that's... That's not, that's not what he's saying. Uh, apparently, it was on a chain in the backyard and it jumped over the fence. Now, this is something Ooh. that you should know dogs do. So it wasn't like the dog was like, oh, man, what is life? I'm going to live in this place? Fuck that. I'm out. It's just like the dog was unfamiliar, had no idea, found out it could jump over the fence, was like, cool. But then the chain caught it. And it hung and died, and Aww, that's really sad. That's pitiful. So it sounds like this yeah. was, again, not a demon intervening. It sounds like it was bad dog owners. 
Yeah, I don't know why you need to chain your dog up in a yard any damn way. Yeah, especially if you have a fence. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I get why you would need to if if you don't have a fence. Because dogs aren't very bright and there are roads. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you have a fence, it's like, what What are you? What You're trying to keep it from getting to the fence? Uh, whatever. <laughs> There's also a lot of blisters in this movie. We've got old, yeah. old overacting yelly priest. He gets all, all blistered up <laughs> by does. the phone. And then, like, later on, it looks like Margot Kidder has, like, blisters all over her face, and then she looks really old yeah. for a second or something. It's unclear. Yeah, the medium that came with the Warrens, I watched a documentary that's the, the true story, and they do talk to the Warrens and the medium and let them say their piece, though they also make it very clear it's, it's all bullshit. <laughs> uh, but uh, the medium that came with the Warrens said that... Uh, that Kathy Lutz had told her that one time she she looked into the mirror and suddenly she saw herself as as old. And guess what, Ben? <gasps> Whenever Kathy Lutz died, the thing that killed her aged her 30 years, says no. this medium. And so she was old when she died. Holy just shit. like that thing she saw in the mirror. Oh my god. I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that she was almost 30 years older when she died. <laughs> sure I enough, know. I got old. I don't know if those are related. I think it's related. I think it's a thing. <laughs> Myth busted. Myth busted. Yeah. I gotta wonder too about this uh this raggedy Ann doll that the daughter has because Right. Okay, again, another bullshit Warren case is, of course, the whole yeah, Annabelle the thing. Annabelle. Uh-huh. Which mm-hmm. in the movies is portrayed as this, like, you know, Victorian creepy porcelain doll. face creepy doll. Yeah, but in yeah, real but life. Yeah, but it's really just Raggedy Ann, yeah. Right. So this not only is a Raggedy Ann, but it's also black Raggedy Ann. Oh, is it? I didn't notice that. Yeah. So, you know, typical Raggedy Ann is pale face with red hair. Right. Uh-huh. She has the, uh, again, I guess, black face variant where the face is black and the hair is black. Huh. I'm not really sure why. Huh. That's interesting. But it is there. I wonder what. I mean, it's obviously like, like if you put Raggedy Ann in, in reference to a Warren case, you're obviously referencing Annabelle. Yeah, it's got to be there. Yeah. Huh. Yes. I'm not really sure about that. I wonder if that was just the actress's doll. Yeah. That's a possibility as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is some some well done stuff with the kid and her imaginary friend though. Like there's a scene yes. in there where the kid yeah. is like in the room talking with Jody, and the rocking chair is there like moving on its own, but it's uh-huh. just for like maybe half a second, and then the mom opens the door and the rocking stops. It's the kind of thing where yeah. like it goes by so fast. It's kind of like one of those things that was hidden in The Exorcist, where it goes by so fast that you're like, was that rocking just a second ago? Did I imagine that? Yeah, because it's seriously just like. A few frames of you seeing yeah. this rocking chair moving on its own, and then as soon as the door opens, it stops. It's very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, the thing, you definitely can't really fault the effects or any of their, I guess, like, you know, little uh, scare moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them all of them are done well. Now, not all of them work. But yeah, they, they the definitely thing was weird to me. That that was yeah, that took that me out. Where work. I was like, "What's yeah. on her face?" I didn't go. Yeah, is she old now? I went. What's yeah. on her face? Yeah, that that doesn't work well. A few things don't work well, but the things the that really work well are yeah, and most of the things that really work well are the small things like that. 
the little bitty things because like I think when you get full-blown like demon using its powers to make walls bleed it's just like well why did it why did it take so long to get to this point yeah like if it can do that shit why, why does it do small that? stuff yeah like if you want people out of the house why not just be like hey walls bleeding stuff so oh also i have a voice hey <laughs> it's me the house yeah you should leave yeah, this ghost priorities are kind of weird, where it's like, maybe I'll start by stealing 1500 bucks from this other kid. Maybe mm. that's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll yeah. scare these people off, huh? Yeah, so so Jody is a flying pig. We've got uh, the, the jade dragon. We've got the voice. We've got the priest who obviously seems to think he's fighting a demon but it enters the church pretty easily which means means it's probably not a demon like trying to boil down exactly what they're trying to say is happening in the house is almost impossible like yeah they they give so many stories in an effort to make you feel like you're getting details but they're actually giving so few details that's true like in a lot of ways this is written very smartly for the period it it's not looking forward it's not thinking ahead it's not assuming a lot of things about a future audience but for 1978 it really hits in the exact moment like it's it's exactly what people were you know, dealing with, with everybody's now interested in demons because of the exorcist and the omen. And, you know, they've all had some time to do their little bit of research. So now they know a little bit about paranormal stuff. So you can kind of throw a few extra things in there that the exorcist and the omen weren't able to do, but you're also not sticking to one thing. It's like, it's almost like, you know that people's knowledge of demonology in 1978 is just based off of pop culture references. So it doesn't have to be nailed down to one thing. You're just trying to hit the buttons in their head. Like, yeah. You know that thing. Yeah. And this is totally one of those movies that would not stand up in the age of, of Google. <laughs> no. No, because people will just Google it while they're watching it and be like, no, that's bullshit. Uh, that didn't happen. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know, like, it succeeds in a few things. I think the soundtrack yeah. to this is pretty good. Uh, you've kind of oh, yeah. got the, uh-huh. the creepy kids singing soundtrack, kind of a horror trope, but I, I like the theme pretty good. That. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I think it, okay, so I think it's sort of the beginning of the creepy kids singing trope mm-hmm. because I don't think it's supposed to be creepy kids singing. And the reason why I don't think that is because it's in no way discordant or specifically creepy. Mm-hmm. It's like if it were, um, say, you know, a few years later with Nightmare on Elm Street, which is obviously influenced by this music decision, Nightmare on Elm Street with the music uses more of like the, the like, uh, I guess like 
man, I, I don't know how to talk music. God damn it. <laughs> Minor keys, I would say. Uh-huh. Like it, yeah. It, it, whereas this is, it seems more melodic. It seems to fit more like, uh, like it's more like it's uh, put it, giving us this sort of innocent sounding thing and juxtaposing it with all the other stuff. Whereas by the time we get to Nightmare on Elm Street, it's warping the innocent soundingness of it. I get and I that. I think that's where... I think that's where it starts to get a little bit tired. Uh-huh. Where it's like, well, we know it's not innocent. You've warped it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing innocent, so there's no juxtaposition. You're just trying to tell us that kids singing is creepy. See, it's interesting because that's one of those things that I definitely took a lot of notice of um, that I, I wondered if it was something overt or not. Because yeah. in the soundtrack, in kind of that opening scene with the, the kids singing and stuff, like there's two separate elements. There's the... Okay string section playing the spooky uh-huh. sunny parts there's the kids singing which are the more innocent major key uh happy sounding yeah. parts right there yeah. actually is some pretty overt dissonance between those oh parts. is there yeah. okay but it's not as overt as as elm street as like, it gets yeah yeah because on our original elm street episode i spent some time talking about the score of that how it features very specific minor intervals in the orchestration, but very happy sounding major intervals in the children singing part for this weird juxtaposition. Um, This has a bit of that as well, but it's not really played up as much and as as childlike. Yeah. Yeah. As, as Elm Street, it's still there, but I mean, obviously considering that you, that you didn't notice it, it means it's not as overt. Um, To me, I heard it and I was like, Oh, that's kind of subtle. That's kind of neat. You got a little bit of rub there between and you you liked it more. Because you you don't normally like the creepy kid singing. Yeah, that's not usually a thing but, for me. Yeah, but yeah. it fits better here because I, I think it does. I think it, it you know, uh, what's his name? Damn it. I have to read this name because I keep forgetting it. Because it sounds Lalo like a fake. Schifrin. That Dude, that's a fake name. Like yeah. That just sounds like <laughs> yeah. a fake name that you check into yeah. a hotel with. Like, oh, yeah. What's your name, uh, sir? Uh, uh, Lee, uh, Lilo Schifrin. Hello, uh, yep, Schifrin. Schifrin. Yes, Schifrin. That <laughs> is just, my name. It's like he. It's like he mumbled something, and they were, they just wrote down what they heard, and he was <laughs> yeah. like, "Yeah, that's it." Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's me. I'm Mister yeah, Lilo Schifrin. That's me. <laughs> that's me. You can call me Mister um, Schifrin. <laughs> he d- he did the music for a lot of a, a whole lot of stuff, okay. uh, but he specifically was the original original composer for the exorcist oh who was fired <laughs> because his music was too dark oh too on the nose huh they thought that his music in combination with the images on screen was too much Hmm. So uh, the people making this movie was like, we want to get the too much guy. Right. Yeah. We want to get the too much guy. Yeah. They're definitely. Well, and of course, you know, they're going for the exorcist of, in some ways. So you get the exorcist guy. But also, yeah, the too much bit. Like, if you know you don't have a lot, like, you know that you're stringing together a number of stories and some of them are a drunk guy came to the door one time and some of them are, you know, glowing eyes outside a window. So you're going to need uh you're going to need music that maybe can oversell these shorter stupider moments where a drunk guy just knocked on your door like if the music <laughs> can make that seem creepy that's what you want too much more like barely enough if you ask me yeah yeah barely enough if you ask me uh, a, a guy who came over with a six pack of miller high life i mean 
Champagne of beers. Seems like an okay guy. Seems like my kind of guy right there. Just a hardworking, <laughs> blue-collar beer kind of man. Steve, you got any final thoughts about this thing before we slap a numerical value upon it? Mm. No, not really. Let's let's get to the let's get to the evaluation. Let's here. rate that um, thing up. This movie obviously is um, it it's still a classic. Uh, you can look back at a classic and say that wasn't great, but it remains a classic for various reasons. This one specifically because an entire generation of people were you know scarred by it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you that scar is going to hang around. Yeah. Uh, I think that it, it obviously has tons of, in, you know, uh, takes some inspiration from good movies as, and has inspired a number of good movies. So it, it still matters. Uh, James Brolin and Margot Kidder are good in it. It's, you know, it's got its moments. It's got its scenes. It's just, it's not, it's not much of a narrative. There's so much that could be cut that really just isn't important there. Uh, you know, just barring thinking about the true storiness of it all, uh, just eliminate that and looking at it as a movie on its own. It's um, it's not great, but it's not terrible. It's watchable. It's a little longer than you'd want it to be, but it's very watchable still. Uh, but I'm not going to rush to watch it again. Yeah. I don't think so. It's, um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to lay a rating on it that I think people might consider fair because I know a lot of people probably absolutely love this movie, but for me, it's just not, it's not, it's not, uh, much of anything anymore, but it, yeah, it, it totally. has, I, I have some nostalgic fear from it for sure. And it, it is what it is. It's the movie that, um, scared a whole bunch of people. So it definitely deserves points for that. But for me, this is like a, maybe like a six. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I totally, I totally side with that. Cause it's kind of like you said, this is one of those movies where I feel like if you are a true horror fan, Oh, yeah. Obviously, you should you see this movie. See yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you said. It was such a huge success. It made a mark on so many people. It's kind of like the It miniseries in a lot of ways, where it's like that right. ruins yeah. so many people's childhoods that you should see it. Yeah. But also understand that if you watch it as an adult, it's not it's really going to have the same yeah. glamour to it. Yeah. it's like, like I said, I didn't watch this when I was a kid. I watched it as an adult yeah. and thought, oh, that had some pretty cool stuff in it. I watched it again, and I was like, yeah, it's some pretty cool stuff in it, but also a lot of stuff that... Definitely could have gotten cut out, and it would have been just fine. Um, yeah. Not my favorite. Does some things well. Needs some editing and stuff like that. And, again, it totally falls on Jimmy James Brolin and Margot Kidder. Yeah. Without them, the movie would really, really fall yeah. apart. Uh, they do a good job. Mr. Priest overacts his ass off in, that, in this whole thing. <laughs> Overall, it's okay, but it's not my favorite. Worth watching for historic purposes. And I was actually going into this thinking the same thing as you, a six. So, yeah. Somebody else give it a six. The devil. Well, you know, that's actually something that I saw Lorraine Warren talking about. Uh, Kate and I pulled up on YouTube this thing with Ed and Lorraine Warren and some guy Uh that was hosting some, like, shitty. I saw this. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like a public TV access kind of thing. 
Yeah, it's from like the maybe the nineties, I would guess. Yeah, or so. yeah. yeah. And Kate like pointed out immediately, she's like, it looks just like Bill Murray's show in, in Ghostbusters too, which it, <laughs> yes, it does. absolutely does. <laughs> but she was on there and she was talking about how like, oh, the exact longitude of this house is at four degrees by six point six six. It's like, come the fuck on, man. Oh, man. People have gotten so much mileage from 666. Yeah. I'm a fan. Why? I don't know. Just who gives a shit? (laughs) So, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. It's worth watching just for historic purposes, but not really something that I will watch for entertainment's sake anymore, I don't think, you know? No. Well, Steve, we are going to be getting into one that we've had requested for a very long time Mm -hmm. next week. And I'm going to tell you guys what it is after I remind you guys to help support (gasps) our show over on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely head on over there. You become a $5 a month patron. You get to throw a title into the smoking bowl over here. We draw uh, randomly from that bowl once a month, and we cover that movie. But if you just become a $1 patron, just at the $1 we level. We still love you. We still love you. You get a, a, a couple free episodes uh, a month of us talking about uh, short-form horror the TV. We just recently did uh, Host. Mm-hmm. The, the Shutter, Shutter exclusive. That was about an hour long. So, uh good episodes they're about 30 minutes each head on over there become a patron check them out yeah that's right you guys can also hang out with us and our fellow dead and lovelies our loveites or whatever you want to call them (laughs) over on facebook we got a facebook group uh yeah facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely also uh uh, uh, twitter instagram yeah at dead lovely pod head over there join us anywhere i'm uh constantly checking the social feed responding to people etc uh just let us find us we will talk to you exactly we want to talk to you yeah we also got the discord uh every friday night we do uh, a streaming chat where we just watch a movie on youtube and we chat about it on discord and it is a blast we the group just keeps getting bigger and bigger and we're having more and more fun so head over there on friday night if you got nothing else to do mm-hmm, that's right and don't forget on a lot of these lonely nights where we're all quarantined staying at home by ourselves not going out on any hot dates or anything like that we've also got our remote adults only phone sex hotline that you can call at one eight 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 dead and horny yeah standard rates may apply um you just tell me what you want maybe you want me to talk to you like this oh god that's working for me hollywood steve Ooh, hornywood steve is more like it you ever heard of hornywood steve (laughs) so yeah guys track us down on the socials we'll hang out with you we'll talk nasty to you whatever you want us to do (laughs) we're here for you and stay tuned for the show next week where we will be talking about Insidious. Insidious? What? Insidious. That's that movie that's got that Lynn Shay and that that uh, Patrick, uh, what's his name? That feller in there. Uh-huh. That's the right. Guy, the guy from Conjuring. He's in all sorts of stuff. He's, he's in awesome. a lot of things, and he's going to be in our podcast mm-hmm. next week. Deep so. in our podcast. <laughs> all deep Hollywood. in our podcast. 
<laughs> Hornywood Steve. That's it, dude. That's your new. Do that with your sexy voice. Hornywood Steve. See, now that right. works. That that is it's me. Hornywood Steve. Me hanging out with Patrick. What's his name? Yeah, oh, what's his name? <laughs> I think my whole uncle bit has to get dropped if I'm doing the sexy line. Oh no, dude! I'm Ew. telling you, there's, there's some people with some problems. <laughs> no, no, uh, uh-uh. not doing it. Not gonna soil my good name on that. <laughs> well, be sure to tune into the show next time. It's been a long time since I watched that movie. I recall thinking it was yeah. okay, but it, yeah, maybe I'll I'd find say out. That's, that was my assessment as well, but we'll find out. Yeah, yeah maybe it's more or less than okay. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. uh, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and all that stuff too. Helps us out a ton. And tune yeah. in next week. And be sure that as you're listening, that you have freshly washed your hands. And your ass. Wash that thing. Keep it clean. We don't like no dirty hands mm-hmm. and asses on nope. our listeners. They all got to be squeaking clean. But Hornywood Steve likes a dirty ass. Oh, my hey God. Girl. We got to get out of here. This is getting... I think we're going to get the parental advisory stamp on this one. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're sending me into second puberty on the island of Misfit <laughs> Toys. <laughs> Well, tune in next time. We'll catch you guys then. Hope everybody's staying happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. We've been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. And we're dead and lovely. Catch you guys later. Bye. So recently over on... The Facebook page, our good old Facebook right. page where we interact with our dead and lovely listeners. Uh-huh. Our main man from across the pond, Kev Bickerdoik, raised a really interesting point, which is that British people, you know, they drop the H off of like everything, right? Right. Uh-huh. They don't pronounce those H's, except for the word herb. H-E-R-B, uh-huh. the one where they the got H, you then. it's not necessary, but they pronounce it then and say hub, right? Hub. So this has really like caused a conundrum in my mind that must be solved, and I must hear feedback about this and know the answer, because I got to thinking about it. And the thing that's really been keeping me up at night this week is how do British people say the name of famed jazz composer Herbie oh, Hancock, because his name has Herb in it. So, do they so, say Herbie Hancock? Herbie Hancock, kidney. <laughs> or do they just drop it entirely because it's Herbie, Herbie Hancock? I've got to know. I, you know, I, I would love to know that as well. I also wonder if there's someone so British that they, uh, don't pronounce the H in every word. So say, for instance, they want to order a chicken sandwich. They're like, <laughs> I'll have a sicken sandwich. <laughs> that sounds Welsh is the thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it does. That probably is. Well. Sicken sandwich probably means like I love you or something in Welsh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is something I would say to a chicken sandwich. <laughs> While listening to Irby Hancock. Irby. Oh, uh, Herbie, Herbie, and An- Herbie, Hancock. <laughs> we gotta know. Wow, we gotta know. Yeah, let us know, dead lobsters. <laughs>